Welcome to Fate Moon Archive, a podcast about wading through 20 years of Type Moon. I'm your host, Fen. My pronouns are Faye Fair, and joining me is... I'm your co-host, Ben Enns. My pronouns are she, they. And finally joining us is longtime friend of the pod... That's you, I thought you were going to say my name! <laughs> I, I think I did once... Most of the time, I don't. I, I'm never sure. It feels weird to say, and joining us is longtime friend of the pod, Olivia, and then the person says, and I'm Olivia. <laughs> yeah, that's literally how it was going to go. Okay. Well, okay. <laughs> and finally joining us is longtime friend of the pod, Olivia. <laughs> I'm Olivia. That's Olivia. There is a dog scampering down the the steps of my apartment building so loud I thought it could gotten my room somehow. <laughs> That would be pretty exciting. That actually did happen once. My roommate was like working on the couch and somebody went to take out the garbage and like mm-hmm. left the door open and the dog just came in and sat on the couch with her. When there were still people here working on our apartment, uh, Heather was here unpacking some stuff uh, and the door was open and the, the upstairs neighbor's cat just kind of like came in to check out what was going on. <laughs> yeah, cats are like that. My... My mom's neighbor's cat once came in and started eating her cat's cat food. <laughs> oh, I love cats. Got... <laughs> okay. Okay. Today, we are covering Karnos Yokai. Spe- oh. I was just going to say, speaking of pets. Oh. <laughs> uh, the Garden of Sinners, Garan no Do, the Hollow Shrine, the fourth Karno Kokai chapter. But before we get there, we have some drinks to sip and a fun RPG to chat about. Mm-hmm. Wait, Olivia, do you have an image song? Oh, right. Yes, Olivia does have an image I, song. I sent it to Fen and it got dropped. <laughs> um, yeah, so I I did. And I've in fact, mm-hmm. I've in fact had it since the, I've had it since the first guest got asked about an image song. I was like, okay, I have to choose right now. And I did. I did, and it's I Know You Well by Fountains of Wayne. I'm listening uh, to it as you're talking. Yeah. Uh, so first off, Fountains of Wayne are like a pop rock band from New Jersey, and as an exiled Jersey girl, I have to represent that. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but it's a nice song. Um, I think it's, it's a little bit more mellow. Um, it's a little bit more mellow, and it's not as ironic as most of their songs uh-huh. are. Um, they tend to write, like, very detailed songs about people living very pathetic lives. <laughs> there is one called Bright Future in Sales, which is about, like, a guy thinking about how he can't die because he has such a bright future working in sales. That's very funny. <laughs> um, but yeah, I Know You Well is, it's kind of, I guess it's basically a love song. Um, you know, the, it's basically just about knowing someone very well that your thoughts are in line. Um, and, you know, the, the, the major refrain of the song is, you know, if it's on your mind, it'll be on mine. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I think is, in, what I think is also interesting about it is there's kind of an ambivalence to it in the lyrics too. Um, it's not just kind of a straight song about how cute it is to know someone very well. There's one lyric about like the, about the relationship being sin and you get nothing else about that Hmm. which is very interesting and then there's sort of a lot of references to kind of like stillness and uh, stagnation and kind of like winter 
Um, and it doesn't really resolve into anything. And I think that's just sort of a, it gives it a very interesting texture to mm. what's otherwise just like a, a cute little song. Hell yeah. You are now one of, in the, the cabal of people who have actually prepared for the image song question. <laughs> <laughs> it's a vanishingly small percentage of our guests and an honor. I think. Neither. Okay, I, I won't speak for Ben. I'm not in that cabal. <laughs> I, yes, me either. Yes, we we were so caught off guard by it that we just picked Caligula Effect two songs. Uh-huh. No, uh, Caligula Effect two does have some bangers. It does have some to bangers. Be it's, to be fair, it's really good. Caligula Effect two, incredible, <laughs> incredible music. We, the Yuri Tea Time is not about Caligula Effect two, but I could do it right now. We could do <laughs> even another though this episode. <laughs> We are, I'll do we're, it. We're doing a Caligula Effect one at some point when Sven plays it. Yeah, I have to look at when we're doing that and start. Oh no! I'm glad that. I already did that. Anyway, I have a half tea and lemonade. Okay, it's your tea time officially because Ben has talked about drinks. Yep. Uh, I have a seltzer. Go I got a water, you know, a lime seltzer. Water. It's quite delicious. Mm-hmm. I don't drink anything besides. I don't drink anything besides water, peach. And then lemon and iced tea. Mm. That's it. Those are the three things that I drink. It's not bad. I I can't do. I don't like a peach full anymore since it's all plastic bottles. I liked it way more when they were glass bottles. I like it less than. It's sort of my backup drink because it's a little harder to find. It just has so much sugar in it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I have to not that is like sugar free but <laughs> it's just it's kind of extreme when you look at yeah uh-huh. i i am like a hummingbird in that i need to drink my weight in sugar every day in <laughs> order to live uh i do just want to call out real quick that i was making a marker to nya those brand names and <laughs> before i was able to finish typing it was it was Nya X two and then it was three and then it was four and then it was five and then so, it was six. Like, brand name thing is so funny, Pat, because you're like, "What are you drinking?" And then you bleep out <laughs> everything that people are drinking. You're the one who, who said that we should do this. I said that once, but you really ran with a bit. I respect it, but it's very it's hard to tell what we're talking about sometimes. Anyway. Um, what are we talking about today? Real quick, uh, I just want to just, uh, give me 30 seconds to say, because I don't think either of you have finished it, the, the end of, um, Blue Archives Main Story, Volume 3, Chapter 4 is really good. I haven't wraps up really well. I am working on it. I'm doing, like, one, I'm doing, like, one little story stage a day. Yeah. Um, and that's, uh, that's making me steady progress. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, between uh, there's an Ark Knight story going on. I need to like have a bunch of fake girls give me chocolate. Uh, there's this. I'm reading a. I have a secret project going on. So that's taking up all of my time. Plus, I had to play so many. Or play is a strong word. I had to watch so many Xenoblade cutscenes this week. <laughs> I think I did three fights and like four hours cutscenes. I got long ones. Look, long ass cutscenes. Really do. Oh shit! I just realized I'm gonna get to talk about my Xenoblade Two AU. Oh hell yeah! What are you doing, Fab? Reminded me what I. 
I just hear anime girls cooing from Fen's desk. <laughs> uh, okay. Have some propriety, Fen. We're professionals. Oh, whoops. Uh, I need to not run out of or over cap on, on Arknight's AP. Uh-huh. You reminded me. Uh, okay. What we're actually here to talk about is Xenoblade 2. Xenoblade Chronicles which, 2. Yes, Xenoblade Chronicles 2. Um, which both Ben and I had been playing, and we were both pretty close to the end. I think we were both in Chapter 8. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was looking at who like who's upcoming uh, guesting. I was like, what are we doing for your AT time when Olivia's on? And I was like, oh, of course. We just finished Xenoblade. Yeah, we finished Xenoblade, because I know that you quite enjoy Xenoblade 2. Yeah, Xenoblade 2. In my running, like, ranking of JRPGs, uh, Caligula Effect 2 recently beat out Xenoblade 2 for the top spot. Mm. But those two have been, like, top, you know, it's been top three the entire time I've had the list. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I really like uh, Xenoblade 2, and I know that it is reviled. Among certain sections of the audience, and that only makes me love it more. I love that it is trashy and like I love that it is trashy and not cool and cringe. Mm-hmm. And the more the more that people froth at the mouth about how trashy and cringe it is, the more that I love it. See, this is part of the reason why I thought it would be really funny to only play Xenoblade Two and not play Xenoblade One. You could you could do it. It I did. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so people, I, I think I like, will go on to play Xenoblade Three and not know who any of the Xenoblade One characters are. The thing for me is that you could sum up Xenoblade One's plot in easily five sentences, probably like three. You should be mostly no. comprehensive. Um, which yes, I okay. Do you want me to? Yeah, go ahead. Uh. Okay. Even though it doesn't really help us with Xenoblade 2. <laughs> Let me do, I could do like a, I could do a Just King thing style five sentence yes, summary. Exactly. Yes. Okay. If you would, m- wouldn't mind, Olivia, I would love to, to hear this. Okay. Here we go. Completely off the dome. Okay. Shulk is a nice English boy who lives, <laughs> <laughs> who lives on the dead body of a god and is able to use the Monado, which is a mysterious, mystical sword that is the only thing that can destroy these weird machines that keep attacking his town. Okay. Uh, During... Yes. During one attack uh, of the the Mechon against his town, there is a mysterious Mechon with a face that cannot be hurt by the Monado, and kills Shulk's uh, childhood friend, Fiora, with a giant wolverine claws. Uh, real quick, you did neglect to mention that his name is Metal Face. I don't care about that. Uh, <laughs> it too- doesn't matter. <laughs> it's not a neglect, it's a strategic omission. <laughs> okay, sentence three. Shulk and his friend Ryan go on a vengeance quest and end up meeting a bunch of kooky, weird characters and get involved in a whole bunch of shit. Um, 
It turns out that the weird mechon with faces are actually people turned into mechons, so Fiora is alive and super hot now. <laughs> also alive, <laughs> semicolon, also alive is God, who is named Zanza and sucks. <laughs> Sentence five. <laughs> Zanza kills Shulk, but then Shulk comes back to life. Zanza steals the mana- comma. Zanza steals the Monado, and Shulk gets his own Monado, and they kill Zanza. The end. And then, yeah. And then there's some stuff that happens, like, uh... Fen's got a bonus sentence. <laughs> well, the I knew is... Fen. I knew Fen was gonna do this to me. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> part of why our podcasts are four to five hours long. Yes. Yeah, you know this about us. Uh, the important part about the ending of Xenoblade 1 is a character named Alvis... Uh, who shows up and is like, well, actually, we created this world. Uh, mm-hmm. Me and my friends, me and Zanza, and uh, another character whose name I cannot remember. Um, now, now, the friends did not make the world. Zanza and Mayneth made the world, which I'll be fair, I probably should have put this in the summary. Bonus six sentence. <laughs> also, Zanza is a human man from Earth who did an experiment to try to create a new universe which is the Xenoblade universe, and that's why he's God. Yes. Um, yeah. I, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That is the important part for Xenoblade 2, because that comes back at the end of, of Xenoblade 2 is, oh, right, this is in the, this is in a separate universe, but the same continuity as mm-hmm. Xenoblade 1. Yeah, because Xenoblade 2 is one of those ones where you find out you were on Earth the entire time, which is just the best, the best JRPG twist. Uh, Spoilers for all of Xenoblade 2 and also 1, apparently, by the way. This this was known, I think. Uh Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah, Xenoblade 2. Xenoblade 2 is a good game. Yeah, I had fun with it. I it I, definitely is cringe, but you know I'm cringe. <laughs> we are doing a Type Moon podcast. Yeah, I think I okay. think we're pretty good with the cringe. Xenoblade Two is a wildly appropriate game to be on the to be our first uh, Dojin product on this podcast, <laughs> um, because there's a lot of of Nasu in Xenoblade Two, <laughs> um, starting with. Starting with Rex's command spell. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. In in the Xenoblade 2 universe, there are blades and there are drivers, and those are just masters and servants. Mm -hmm. Except, except, except that they're married. (laughs) Well, servants also. Some servants are married. More problematic, I guess you could say, because is it okay? Okay, servants is it servants. Are a famously famously healthy and no, cool no. relationship. Okay. The master servant the dynamic. Here's the thing: is that servants are, uh, at the very least, you could say that Nasu is aware that the master servant relationship is not necessarily a healthy one, and that they are two parties entering into a contract together, both out of mutual in, uh, self interest. In Xenoblade. Blades are a subservient slave class who love to be slaves and marry the people who own them. Now, I'm going to take issue with this because I do. That's what marriage is. 
Marriage is about having a subservient class of domestic laborers no who are supposed to love Faye. it. Notably, no one gets, no one is married to each other in Faye. Yeah, yeah, I mean, except for the part where, like, Shiro and Saber fall in love. Uh-huh, that's different than marriage. Um, now. I mean, it's a game, it is a game, it's a game about that relationship dynamic, though. It's not, too. This, this is the thing that, okay, this is my first beef, is that everyone <laughs> loves to throw this at Xenoblade, but it's a game about this relationship and how it's fucked up. Uh-huh. Uh -huh. And how, and how you can find value in it at the same time. But, like, because nobody ever looks at the camera and is like, and that's why marriage is a problematic institution with a long history of, of uh, buttressing societal oppression. Everyone's like, did you know, actually, that it's, uh, that it's an extremely problematic idiot game? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's a... Okay, I think Xenoblade is kind of a dumb game, but I like that about it, right? <laughs> it's, it's dumb, but it's not dumb in the way that people are always painting it as okay. dumb. Here, here's an important thing to know. I don't do discourse, and I have no concept of what people have say about Xenoblade 2. <laughs> um, Mostly, people are really fixated on the gotcha aspect, and the fact that, like, the characters have skimpy outfits. I think that's fine. I think that's normal and fine. It just, like, doesn't register to me. Now, I think that the... The I think that what Xenoblade 2 is about is about having two hot wives and God being really impressed with you for <laughs> fucking two beautiful women. And I think that's good. I think that's a <laughs> I think it's a game about how those two hot wives are the same girl, except for right at the end where we forgot that they are the same girl. The, okay, the ending of Xenoblade sours me not doesn't sour me enough to like dislike the game i did almost immediately start new game plus because i was like uh -huh. oh i i could i could do so with some more gameplay um I, I didn't even immediately start new game plus pen's a very specific type of pervert yes and i will get into that in a second um but the ending was a little like oh you had a really nice like coda mm -hmm to all of the relationships and like oh yeah now it's all over and then it's like well but we did want to have our cake and eat it too uh-huh <laughs> so yeah. the part the part where pyra and mithra come back after sacrificing themselves and, and now, have they have two, yeah, now they have two yeah now they have two separate bodies, bodies is lame kept their memories uh-huh which is that not part a thing is ambiguous okay that part's ambiguous i don't i don't know they didn't look like they didn't know where they were I mean, the blades do not exactly come out of the cores being like confused and disoriented. Hmm. I don't think it's any different than like, excuse me. I don't think it's any different than like what the, like any other blade awakening that we see. I don't know. I can't because prove you wrong, but it's not really not the vibe of the ending. <laughs> well, the vibe of the ending is happy, but it's happy because we get to see the girls we like again. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And they're reunited and mm -hmm. married. Um, okay. Can I? Okay, has hold to on. Do a five sentence summary of Xenoblade 2, which will be maybe a little bit harder. <laughs> it okay. it both will and won't be because of a, a lot more plot, but how much of that plot is actually important to explain to explain how the game goes is the question. Okay, yeah, there's so a this lot is, more fucking around. This is this is why uh I immediately started uh New Game Plus. 
is because the way that I play JRPGs or games really in general is if I like something, I will just extract everything out of it. So like my playtime for a single playthrough was like 200 hours or something. Um, and now a decent chunk of that was Ursula's quests, which are some <laughs> of the most miserable like experiences I've had in, in a video game ever i just and I stumbled into three that three gotchas like, oh this is cute and then it just kept going xenoblade 2 is i think a game that is remarkable for having m- so many terrible ideas uh-huh. in, in these like side quest stuff um i don't there's so if you're trying to 100 percent that game like you will suffer over and over and over i didn't mind most of the side quest stuff i okay so the one thing I didn't 100% Hold on. Summary. 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 Summary of the game Sorry. before we do any more. I could do another five cents. Fen, is it your you turn? ready? I would love to hear Olivia's. Okay, okay. Because... Olivia, you're the guest. You you get the honor of having to do <laughs> All this. Alright. Okay. Rex is a nice English man. <laughs> English boy. <laughs> I forgot how I described Shulk, but it's the same thing. He's just like North English. Mm-hmm. Um, who works as a deep-sea salvager in a world where people live on the backs of giant creatures called titans that just kind of walk around uh, a sea of clouds. On a very shady mission for a terrorist group, <laughs> Rex finds uh, the Aegis which is an ancient sword who is also a woman, and they get married before the terrorists can capture her. Um, Now on the run from basically everyone, because he has the strongest sword wife in the world, Rex goes around the world meeting a bunch of kooky characters and getting involved in a bunch of adventures. That's three sentences. Mm-hmm. Um... Fourth sentence, Rex's ultimate goal is to climb the world tree, which is at the center of the world and is supposed to be (laughs) and is supposed to be where God lives uh, in Elysium, which is a realm of paradise. Okay. Sentence number five. We got a lot of ground to cover, (laughs) huh? He gets there and (laughs) finds out that Elysium is dead. God is the other half of Zanza from the first game. Physically. (laughs) And is about to die, so he gives his power to Rex and his sword wife, who then defeat the terrorists and stop them from destroying the world. Wait, is God the other half of Zanza? I thought God was the other half of Alvis. Uh... No, he's the other half of uh, Zanza. Zanza is the... So Zanza is the guy, he's Klaus, the sci- the human scientist yes. who did the experiment to create uh, a parallel world. Alvis, Alvis, Mithra, and Malos are the three, like, oh. the three people that he made out of the computer. Yeah, I, I was wondering and that's Alvis. With, with the extra blade. If oh, you play Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition, Alvis is just wearing a blade core. Uh-huh. Oh, um, it's it's really obvious in in the definitive edition. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In the original, he just had a necklace, but they just changed it to a very obvious blade core. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. How yeah. did you? <laughs> it, you were on Earth the whole time. That's always they go below. They go below the cloud sea and find a ruined city with an American fucking flag. I didn't see the American flag, but I was like, New York City, baby, <laughs> we're here. <laughs> <laughs> it really is very funny to like just show up there. I um, I am obs I am obsessed with like the implied reveal that Siren Mithra's fucking Gundam that shoots laser beams is an American military product. <laughs> Siren is also very cool looking. Yeah. That's an extremely uh -huh. cool robot. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh I had I had fun with this game. I kind of just stumbled into it and I don't have much um People have a lot of feelings about Xenoblade games, huh? <laughs> I don't know they're any very, of that shit. They're very big feeling games. Uh-huh. Like Xenoblade is like one of those series which is just it's just throwing itself into like all of the anime bullshit like you know the the power of friendship and and your ideals. Mm -hmm. There's a wow. line Shulk has from the original where he turns to the party and goes, "Today we kill a god and <laughs> win our freedom." Uh -huh. Rex uh, at the end is giving speeches about how the power of friendship will save the day and et cetera, et cetera. Classic stuff. Um, I got into this because I saw you and Fen playing this game and I saw Poppy and I was like, oh, she's great. I'm going to play this. And I played Poppy. and Poppy continued to be great the entire time. Uh -huh. Poppy rules so hard. I'm so glad she's the strongest blade in the game. <laughs> she's so powerful and very, very cute. Uh, yeah, so... I don't. I don't even know where to start talking about this game. Um, I thought it was fun. Okay. I really like Nia too. I, Nia's great. Yeah, uh, my intro to it would be the women are just fucking fantastic. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mithra rules. Pyra uh -huh. rules, but Pyra and Mithra are the same woman. That's part of why Mithra rules. Uh huh. Uh -huh. Um, is uh, that she cre created Pyra to make up for like the things that she felt she couldn't say or do? Uh huh. Uh, and their combined form has those like ridiculous vacuum sealed titties <laughs> that are so funny. And a unicorn horn. <laughs> and, a horn and a crystal horn, right? Mm -hmm. Um. Uh. The so the here's, here's a hmm? here's a fun fact about Numa is that the the Xenoblade community has like. At least in English has like this dedication to no spoilers. So they have these like little little euphemisms for various spoiler characters, and Numa is referred to as coffee with milk, because that's the that's the metaphor that Rex uses to understand their personhood. <laughs> it's like if you poured milk in coffee and made one drink. That's very Except at the end there are two people. <laughs> yeah. Except at the end there are two people. The game is the game is very confused about whether Pyra and Mithra are different people. I know. Um, there was the part where they were like, so uh, what name do you want to call them? And I'm like, ah, I don't want to do, I don't want to pick this. Yeah, it's torn between like what I think is like the very interesting psychology of them being the two aspects of the same person mm -hmm. and also being like, okay, but which girl are you going to pick though? Which girl's your favorite? Mm -hmm. Do you like the Sundere or the wife mode one? Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Do you like the do you like the Sundere who's secretly a wife or the wife who's secretly a Sundere? Yeah. <laughs> I do like how sad Pyra sounds. It's so time. good. I really I really appreciate her, that performance. This was her English voice actor is so is so good. This was good. the thing that sold me on Xenoblade 2 is one I had just played Xenoblade 1, which is 
like yeah is very straightforward with the story uh there's a there's a big giant robot named Mechanus, and there's mm-hmm. a big giant robot named Bionis, mm-hmm. and they fight. And it's like, ah, yes, uh, you know, life versus technology. Mm-hmm. I see what you're doing. And it, you might say, oh, yes, and then there are other themes. And yeah, the other theme is friendship. And that's <laughs> basically it. Um, and so it was fun coming to two and being like, oh, she's so sad. Mm-hmm. She's, in, yeah, Pyra's great. Uh, just immediately, like the first time you meet her, she's she's standing in Elysium and just going like, "Oh yeah, that bell that's ringing hasn't stopped in five hundred years." Anyway, uh, will the you game bring me is, back here. <laughs> the game is so fun to like go back through, like having for the second time because like you can watch that scene and you can see like you can see the way Pyra is just playing Rex and mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. he. He makes, like, the conclusion, like, oh, if I take you to Elysium, I can find, like, an infinite living space for everyone and it'll be fine. And she, like, tries to stop crying as she, like, goes, uh-huh. Yeah, that's... Yeah. <laughs> you said it, not me. Yeah, yeah, man, that's totally what we're gonna do. It's so funny when there's, like, this, the, like, flashes of other, the, like, bad thoughts that people have about Rex. Uh, like, especially Morag, like, where she's like, Rex, how dare you have led me to this empty, like, worthless place or whatever. It's like, man, you're an adult woman. <laughs> He's like a 15-year-old boy who had no proof of what he was selling. I don't I don't know how much of that is real and how much of that is just, like, Klaus making say, shit up. But he did say it was, like, the dark feelings that are harbored in their hearts, but it doesn't represent what who they <laughs> truly are, because who they truly are, who they are right now standing here. Mm-hmm. Um, I had two things. Um, what are the what are the things that uh, didn't jibe with me for the, with this game? Let me think about this. Fen, you say something. Uh, I was gonna say the the main thing that that I conceptually I like the idea of a gotcha. Uh-huh. Um, because it is like, oh yeah, interesting. You have to sculpt your strategies around the blades that you have, and you you kind of can't depend on having um all of them at your disposal and so uh you know play through to play through or or whatever you're gonna have a different experience mm-hmm. um unfortunately i don't think that m- i don't like most of the gotcha blades designs yeah like, almost wow. all of them there are there are a handful ursula being the one that was like oh she's she's small and she has a polar bear that's yeah. really cute she's kind of they're kind of like over or under designed yeah a lot of the mm-hmm. times yeah there's a lot of like there's a lot of like the gotcha blades that come out and you're like man could you just turn it down like 30 percent the pole mm-hmm. dancing uh Perun. yeah <laughs> or like wild like boob jiggle pole dance that she does when she shows up it's pretty or the way that like nim is like kind of a furry but also kind of a human and then has like two different colored foxes that are like kind that of are like out of her. Yeah, yeah, like growing out of her, but are also her fists, and it's just a lot going on there, and it's not fun to look at. A lot of the voice acting for the the blades, uh, for the the gotcha blades, were also kind of uh, grating. It leaves um, a lot to be desired. <laughs> yeah, um, English. I can't speak to the Japanese. Yeah, obviously. The other the other complaint I have about the gotcha is that 
they try to thread the needle between blades are blades are people so of course there has to be story attached to them but you might not have a certain blade that's a gotcha blade so they can't like have that much story attached to them and so Mm -hmm. almost all of them land in a weird place of like oh either okay i truly don't care about any of your stuff and your story was so light that it did not make me care or oh i do care about you i like your design i want more of you and there's just nothing um the dlc quests kind of address this somewhat with like oh if you have these three blades they you get a quest with all three of them and they interact and like get story um which is like a, a welcome addition but uh i kind of yeah i wish that there were more like quest blades like praxis and theory um Mm -hmm. are fun because they have like story associated with the two of them and you get them from quests and so i kind of wish that they'd gone harder on it's so funny that they're practice and theory yes that is also their names are very funny um but i kind of wish that they'd gone harder on that kind of like okay there are a handful of blades that you can get through quests that have like good story associated with them and then everything from the gotcha is purely mechanical and like mm-hmm. um i think that that would have been a better way mm-hmm. to do things imo yeah i understand the like thought behind it putting in the gotcha and i think it's like an interesting thought but i don't think it works out really nah. mm-hmm. yeah like I don't in, think it's in practice bad, it's not like good it's not really additive i feel like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i'm also just grumpy that i never got cosmos i did get cosmos so i feel better about it <laughs> um and i i i have right so the other thing i was going to say before we launched into that summary um correctly i was about to say rudely interrupted and i was like no i was i was perfectly justifiedly interrupted um was that i i uh maxed out almost every blades uh chart and uh most of those were fine um there were a couple of annoying ones uh, I didn't max most of the uh, crafting ones mm-hmm. because just mm-hmm. running around uh, uh, collecting from collection points over and over again is Pain like, down. that's where I draw my line. Grinding, I will fight enemies all day, uh, but actually just clicking a collection point over and over is too much. Being able to turn off most of enemy aggro was really nice. Not having mm-hmm. to fight every single uh bunnet or whatever that came my way made this game completely bearable for me <laughs> in a way that it would not have been otherwise. Okay, okay, okay. Here is my uh my thing this thing that I thought was going to happen with blades, uh that did not happen. They went a totally different way. Uh I want to explain this. Okay. When you go to New York City, <laughs> it's not actually New York City, but it might as well be. No, it's somewhere in Pennsylvania. That's very is the weirdest thing. <laughs> that you can you can narrow it down to like it's probably in Pennsylvania somewhere. That's really so funny. Uh when you go there, you find uh these mutated proto blade people who very obviously used to be people, right? Mm-hmm. Uh who have like gone oh feral and like they have like bits of clothes or like equipment like uh name badges and shit on them. So I was like, oh, finally, the, I, I feel like there is a reason why blades come out of the sh- out of the box with a 
full personality if no memories is because they are people from the old world who uh traded uh their memories for immortality basically and that's where where they come from and that's why they have uh that's why they are born as people instead of as like babies (laughs) now this is not (laughs) true at all no, that would have been a fun. That would have been a fun they like just are uh, origin born story with personalities, them. which is yeah. really weird to me. It's kind of because uh, because this is the thing. It's like it's kind of a red herring. The guy's like, yeah, uh, blades are based on an immortality technology, but it's totally unrelated. And don't really worry about it. I just kind of like use the idea for my cool new evolution theory. Klaus um, was up to so much fucking stupid shit up there. <laughs> Uh, another, so, yeah, I didn't really, I didn't really like the explanation for what, for the, like, life cycle, I guess. It didn't really, like, hit for me. I was like, okay, they're so fucking miserable about how they live forever, but they don't even. They just live a long time, babies. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Azurda is kind of like, yeah, I'm very old, it's fine. Yeah. For a lot of- I turned into- I turned into a big dragon guy, and now I'm a small dragon guy. It's whatever. And he turns back because he got juiced. <laughs> it makes him big again. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I like a lot of Xenoblade too. Um, I think it at times does what a lot of like fan work does, which is there are yeah the uh there are several points, and part of this is just me boss being uh with uh-huh. fate and going like pointing and being like that's a fate reference yeah. uh but there's also uh yeah i i don't ben you haven't played mahoyo olivia i don't know if you've gotten this far to, like cover my ears or something um no i'm just gonna there's a there's a bit where uh al no not alvis that's the uh what's the not... the evil pope oh god this guy uh, uh, Amalthus. Amalthus. Amalthus, yeah. Uh, there's a bit in his boss fight, or the cutscene right before, that is like, oh, and yeah, part of this is my my proximity to playing Mahoyo, but it feels like a thing that they're like, they read Mahoyo and were like, oh, that's a cool beat. What if we included that? Yeah. Uh, as like part of his motivation. Um, and, and so it's like, oh yeah, Blades are servants, except for when they're not. Uh-huh. But they still have the same anxieties as servants. Like, they're still Archer going, God damn it, I have eternity ahead of me. Mm. And it's like, well, you don't. And also, you, except for Pyra and Mithra who, and Malos, I guess, and the all of Torna, uh, who have been alive for 500 years, none of you remember your histories. This is the thing is that there's. I wish they did a little more with the the because there's some really good moments of like the anxiety and stress over losing your memories constantly. Uh-huh. I wish that they just like dug into it a little more, but it's really not like it's like a side focus for ever like many of them. Yeah, characters. it's much more of a side quest thing. Yeah, it's like an interesting that. one though. It's one of my favorite ideas for with blades. You know. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. My biggest disappointment mystery in the game for me was what happened to the rest of Fan Lenorn's uh, crystal. I thought there was going to be another one of her running around. It's not. It's just a Malthus's like uh, an extra excuse for why he has cool powers, I guess. <laughs> a Malthus sucks. Boring. Loser. I can heard we talk th- about. Can we talk about Nia? Can we just talk about Nia? 
Okay, yes, we could talk about Nia. Nia, who is uh, has a trans coming out scene. <laughs> who has who's got like two trans coming yes, out yes. scenes? Yeah. She's she's got the she's got the like I'm gonna be true to myself scene, and then she's got the scene where all the cis girls see her dick in the bath. Yes, <laughs> and they're like chill about it. When I got to that. <laughs> It's such a funny scene. They can't have not been thinking about this. No, they knew. There's no way they didn't know. They knew. They knew exactly what they were doing. I like Nia a lot. She's great. I think she's great. I when when she fucking turns into a blade and then says, I love you, Rex, which is something that fucking nobody in this game has said so far. Uh-huh. uh-huh. The ten seconds between when she says that and when he mercilessly curbs her are <laughs> Just I'm like pull up on wives. I love <laughs> you, friend. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I'm I'm they do biting get a my trio attack though. <laughs> they, I'm biting my tongue about certain things that uh, that are inside materials. Uh, <laughs> um, um, but the, the, for the for those like ten seconds, it's just like oh fucking anything could happen. Are Rex and Nia the end game? Mm-hmm. Anything could happen. It's such a it's such a beautiful bit uh-huh uh-huh you know that there had to have been a moment after pyra and mithra sacrificed themselves where she was like sitting on the big dragon like you know maybe i have a shot now and then they just show I up was... again. <laughs> when i was watching alira play through xenoblade 2 they are going through that bit where they're like running through the 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 fucking space station that the world tree actually it's is a cool space and... station also yeah, mm-hmm. and somebody, somebody in chat says, "Like, does this mean Nia wins?" And Amira <laughs> just has to has to stop playing the game because she's laughing too hard. And she's like, "Stop! That's that. horrible. Mithra just died." <laughs> I think Nia does win, though. I think she wins. <laughs> um, there, there is a, there is a like bit of after battle dialogue you will probably you probably have never seen. I didn't see it until. I like saw a video of it, but there's a bit where like Rex, there's like an after battle dialogue where Rex like tries to talk to Nia about it. Um, and like the, the implication there is that like he wasn't like a complete fucking moron about what she was saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like wants to like, hey, let's actually have a talk about this. And she's like, yeah, yeah, later though. Like, I get uh-huh, it. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. You're full up on wives. It's fine, man. This but he is- does. He does feel bad about telling her I love you and all you guys. Yes. <laughs> um real back to Xenoblade 1 real quick. There is a love triangle in that game that I think works better. Um be, partially because uh the the uh Shulk and, and Fiora um I want to call her Fiona for some reason. Mm-hmm. Shulk and Fiora are just like they're so nice to um what's her name melia melia uh in in just ways that are like making her feel even worse uh-huh. <laughs> uh they they do her and fiora do have that really good conversation where Melia's like <laughs> where like midway through Melia's like you're nice that's the worst part uh-huh. <laughs> you're like a nice woman and yeah. i can't hate you yeah um you know my one xenoblade one wait, uh, oh, wait. okay yeah i had i had a follow on to that which was just i yeah as i am as i often do when a relationship is hot i'm like nia you could do so much better mm-hmm. you don't rex is rex is fine i guess but like there are so many 
better people out there in the world. Pine after Mithra for all I care. Like that's a way better. <laughs> I mean, there's two there, of them now. You can there's you can some maybe get one. <laughs> I mean, there she's holding hands with Pyra in the in the um in the post game uh, title screen. <laughs> um, I also I really like uh Nia's blade coming out as a like mechanical change. Yeah. Because you give up one of your drivers and you get a really powerful healing blade. She's so good. Um <laughs> which is like, yeah, for as much as I enjoy the story of Xenoblade, like it's still I spent two hundred hours. Not very much of that was doing story. Most of that was like mm-hmm. combat and like mechanically thinking about the game. Um and Nia's a great mechanical addition i think i think you do have to have like a degree from nasa to understand the combat in this game (laughs) but i think once you do it's really good yeah i i had a blast running around doing like the posts the post game bosses and stuff like that the the setups you can do the the way it flows from like you're spamming your arts to get specials so you can do a blade combo with your specials so you can set up a big team attack where you like methodically break all the orbs to get longer and longer combos it's like once you really have it i think it's so much fun mm-hmm. yeah, it's very satisfying when when it works i did when well I did, yeah uh, during... when you when you take a monster down from like half oh, oh. No, finish here, finish. when you take a monster down from like half hp in a chain attack it's like oh yeah that was very satisfying on the other hand during the final boss fight i got five orbs on malos and then it cut to a cutscene, threw all those orbs out i spent the rest <laughs> of the fight getting five more orbs and then just before i managed to do it he just killed me <laughs> <laughs> i was so mad I, he like backed up to summon a guy again and i was like oh he's gonna summon a guy and then i died <laughs> R.I.P. the uh yeah, it's, it's it's two has my favorite Xenoblade combat system. Mm. Um, I think one one is fine. Um, but it doesn't hit the highs of two, and I think the three combat system is just totally fucked. Like it's just oh, they no. ruined it. I'm excited uh, to suffer through that. Then basically, it's that like they made chain attacks so good that they trivialized the entire game. Oh, because mm. like it is. I if you're going to play Xenoblade 3, my advice is to be so sparing with chain attacks because it's so easy to finish off every boss from like 25 percent health or more with Mm -hmm. chain attacks. And if you do, you will get so much XP that you will be over leveled for the entire story. That sounds fine to me, but I'm not I'm not like a big uh, difficult content person in these kinds of games. I only have so much time in my life. This is the thing. Because of the time constraint, sorry, Ben. I will this is a short thing. Because of the time constraint, I I got to the point of no return and was like, well, I just have to keep going. Uh despite my real desire to go grind up the last like eight levels I need to get to 99 and do all the super bosses. Um I think there was no, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Can I going back one second, I had one (laughs) thought about Xenoblade One. My only thought about Xenoblade One is that is uh I remember very strongly reacting with pure shock when Fen told me that Fiora does not natively come with glasses. (laughs) It's so obviously part of her design. Uh You gotta put you gotta put glasses on that girl. They just I can't believe no one in that game has glasses natively. (laughs) 
<laughs> Not even Shulk, even though his whole thing is that he's the nerd. <laughs> yeah. Stunning. Ah, I don't know what they're thinking. Although it is a, a being able to put glasses on all the characters is a huge leg up for Xenoblade 1 over Xenoblade 2. I will say I really I do really like the combat in one. Mm-hmm. The like it, specifically the way that chain attacks work uh is a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um because and part of this is me not having done post game for two. Uh, and I did all the super bosses in mm-hmm. one and like kind of stumbled on a really good party for doing super bosses, which is Fiora, Dunban, uh, Shulk. Uh-huh. Um, it's just it's, it's a very powerful party. Uh, yeah, that's like the the meta, the meta party. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I just accidented upon it because like Fiora has bonuses when she's in the party with Shulk. And I was like, and Dunban can tank. Uh, <laughs> also Dunban's here. <laughs> He's the chaperone. Yeah, yeah. Uh, He's making sure they leave room for Jesus. And and I think the yeah, it is interesting that like one of the fun things about one is a lot of bosses are immune to break, um, or immune or very 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 resistant outside of chain attacks, and then chain attacks mean that bosses are way more susceptible to it mm-hmm. and so like the the at least for me the super boss fights were about st- staying alive for long enough to get a chain attack off and then just topple locking enemies mm-hmm. and that's just like a really fun and also fiora's like super ability that that automatically topples and you can skip break is just it was very enjoyable mm-hmm if I wanted to start fights, I would say that the end of Xenoblade 2 uh, is a metaphor for how gay marriage can never work, but heterosexual marriage can save the world. <laughs> I was very surprised at how gay Jin and Malice were also, by the way. <laughs> Those bitches are really gay. It was pretty gay. Yeah. They do the, uh, they do the, like... One of them leans in and whispers into the other's this ear, the and you don't get to hear what they say. This is the thing is that he Malos like does a bro hug on Jin, and I was like, oh yeah, like they're doing the no homo hug. But then it makes it double gay if you do a no homo hug with a whisper in the ear. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm also how not about a fan the... of the Empire, like bit of more ordained shit. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. they like set them up at the very beginning, being like, oh. Here is the evil empire. I'm like, yeah, okay, they look like fascists. Morag will be like a big villain, whatever. And then Morag is just like hangs out, and they never really grapple with the Morag's chill. It's like <laughs> Morag is fine, totally. I think Morag she is she Morag is unfocused character. Seventy kind of hangs out. Yeah, seventy five percent of the time I like Morag, and then the other twenty five percent she remembers that she's a fascist. <laughs> The game ends up on like a, well, you know, sometimes you do a little fascism when the world is ending. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah, pretty much. I was uh. expecting a little more from that because they're not even like in the running for villains. <laughs> yeah. As long as, you, as long as you don't colonize anybody who can fight back, it's fine. Uh-huh. It's where that game settles on more ordained thematically. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I did think the more ordained Titan was really cool looking when it showed up at the end. I was like, whoa, who's that guy? Whoa. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, they don't. I feel like the more ordained Titan is one of the ones that, like, when you go there, they don't really establish where you I, are yeah, on it. And then, I had no idea then when you, like a dude. 
Yeah, when you find out it's a dude and they all live on its shoulder, you're kind of like, whoa, hold on. Yeah, exactly. I was like, whoa, what's this? this what's this big guy? And I, then they were like, oh, Mordain. And I was like, that's what Mordain looks like? You know, wonder they're evil. They're on like a giant dude who shoots laser beams. <laughs> all of them shoot laser beams. Uh-huh. Most of them are fun sea creatures. Uh huh. Who shoot yeah. lasers? Fun sea creatures are way less evil than than men. Than men. <laughs> That's a pretty on the nose metaphor. <laughs> the look. Except for the except for the giant Catholic dragon. That one's also evil. Yeah. Yes. How did how did you feel when fucking Mikhail piloted a giant robot to like judo throw the Catholic <laughs> dragon into the world tree? I didn't like the way his robot looked. I don't like him. No, it's but very that was weird. a really fun move. Like yes. <laughs> to throw the dragon there were people on the <laughs> there were Anymore. thousands there of were, people there were refugees on that <laughs> most of them escaped to Morardane, apparently how <laughs> they got on ships and ran away the the shop that you need to to get uh one of sheba's uh they like things uh shows up in left area that's so funny that's so funny yeah yeah, um, it was very cool when Indol like turned and you couldn't go there anymore. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like I said this before, Malthus is like such a nothing guy. Jin and Malos mm-hmm. are are fine, you know what I mean? They're they're fairly interesting. But the rest of Torn, I didn't give two shits about. Is mm-hmm. Malthus Kotamina's voice actor? I guess in JP probably, which we didn't. We were denied the. My my major complaint about the the like EN version of this is that it, you can't swap to JP voices, mm-hmm. which I understand because it would increase the size of the game it's a lot. And the Switch is not a console with a ton of space on it. Yeah. Um. But I do wish that 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 was an option to like download it or something. Yeah. Like like how you can in Arc Nines you can download a voice. Uh, pack. You you can you can you can. Wait. Yeah, you can play in Japanese. Do you have to do it from the main title screen? You have to. There's a free DLC that they put out. Oh. And... Yeah, like a like a month or two afterwards. I thought most of okay. this acting was fun. so exactly the solution that we just came up with. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I I we will have to wheel. I will have to go get that. I don't. I don't know that Amalthus would be more compelling he's with Kotamine's voice actor, he's but someone was someone was like, "Oh wow, yeah, he's a Kotamine. I get it now." And like, I was like, "Yeah, yeah." He's I a, wish he was a Kotamine. He's a horror story about what if Kotamine had no personality or sense of humor. <laughs> it would. It would be much better if he was Kotamine. If he was just having thing. a good time, you know. Yeah. yeah. Mostly, he's having a bad time. Uh-huh. And not even in a fun way. Kotamine is also having a bad time, but he's very funny. He's got that, like, I'm depressed, so I make other people laugh kind of energy. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if if they walked in on a mouth as eating super spicy tofu. game. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That would be incredible. Uh-huh. If if a Malthus ate some of Mithra's cooking and was like, oh, this shit bombs, actually. This is great. <laughs> Well, uh, and this is yes. This is my. Oh, oh! Can I say in the in Torn of the Golden Country, there is a quest where a guy from Morardane asks you to make some food like that he remembers from his like childhood. It's like his mom's favorite recipe. Mm-hmm. So you have Jin make it, uh, because Jin is in your party and he's the good cook of the party, and he tastes it and he's like, 
Uh, yeah, I mean, it's pretty good, but it's not really like I remember. And then there's an optional objective to have Mithra make it. And when she does and the guy tastes it, he's like, holy shit, this is exactly as bad as I remember. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it's both. It's like a joke about white people cooking. Is the thing. <laughs> Incredible. And then um, like, it, it's like the one piece of food that Mithra can cook that is like actually to the recipe. <laughs> Whereas in the rest of that game, all the things that she cooks are really good mechanically, but like all the names are just like she fucked it up clearly. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um, I do think it's very funny how much Morag does not realize that she's a married lesbian. Uh huh. <laughs> even even at the very end, she's like, "I wish I had someone to live for like that." And Brigitte's just in the background, <laughs> looking kind of forlorn. <laughs> Lady Morag, am I nothing to you? Am I dirt? <laughs> to you <laughs> the bit where she's where she's like wow all of you have p- taken a part of the heart of your blade into your body and are have this like intimate bond maybe i should do that with brig and brig just like perks up slightly she's like no never mind <laughs> well she says no never mind because everyone's like yeah we have this because we all almost died and she's like okay maybe i shouldn't almost die and <laughs> bridget is like yeah that's fine it's fine that you didn't almost die. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I do think it's very funny that, like, uh, at least for me, sweets and instruments are the best pouch items in the game because mm-hmm. they they increase your specials and uh, and arts recharge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the arts arts recharge is the is the god in that game. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um. There's one other thing I wanted to say. What was your final uh, final party for Rex? Um, I guess who was your third? It was Pyrenea and uh, Zenobia, maybe? I think Zenobia was the last rare blade that I got. Um, I had Cosmos on Rex, and then I had Morag I would have had Cosmos with... On um, who did I have on Morag? I had her with her brother's blade... <laughs> And the the dark blade, the the possessed girl, the fox, yeah, yeah, yeah with the creepy mask. And then I, I had all three poppies, of course. Yeah, I kind of wish that uh, the last poppy was part of the main story, so that they could have used her at all in the main story. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But she's still very yeah. It's like a it's a thing you can totally miss because she doesn't become like the point where she becomes obtainable is right when they're about to go into the world tree. Yeah. Uh-huh. So you have to turn around and go get uh the final poppy form, which you should do because she's the best one in the game. She's great. I I spent most of the post game just like playing as Tora because mm. Poppy is is incredibly good. I hear pe- I hear people hate Tora a lot. I think he's fine. I think he's fine. <laughs> my my girlfriend made a very funny picture of Tora which contained the phrase there's nothing wrong with him that isn't wrong with everyone else. <laughs> feel about tora so what if he loves women a little too much so what if he has a maid fetish who doesn't <laughs> i think he's valid yeah yeah he's i like that freak, but like who cares sometimes you just he's not like really gross about it he's keeping it in check he's mostly he, normal about it i'd say yeah he's not I, like the the anime pervert character who's constantly drooling on women you know what i, mean? I heard Someone yeah. I heard to have built a wife who has a maid outfit. I heard someone describe him as exactly the anime pervert who's like l- winking at the camera, like, "Oh yeah, aren't you like this as well?" And I'm like, 
What are you talking about? He's Poor, just a, he's, he does he's have literally a just a little fetish, guy. <laughs> I I he has so many really good moments with Poppy. I'm a big fan of um I'm a big fan of one point where Poppy says like um I forget what they're even talking about, but Poppy says something like Oh no, if Tora dies, that means Poppy will be a widow. And everybody's like, did you program her to think of you two as married? And Tora's like, I swear to God, bro, I did not. This is some shit she came up by herself. I swear. Please believe me. I don't, yeah, I don't think that that Tora has a close enough grasp on how Poppy works to do something like uh-huh. that. No, and I it's, think it, it, I think at some it, point, but she has self-evolved. It's definitely like... The thing is that, like, Poppy is actually, she's like a robot girl that is self-learning, and the more she self-learns, the more she owns Tora's ass constantly. Yes. uh-huh. Yeah, there's, like, a bit where she's, like, uh, when she gets big and she's just carrying Tora around, he's like, put me down, put me down. <laughs> yeah, and she's like, it's optimal, though, because you have short fucking legs, so if <laughs> I carry you around, we now. can move. Huh. <sighs> Okay. Uh, I do wish Rex could ride on Pyra's shoulders. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or that yeah. Bridget would uh, Princess carry Morag. <laughs> uh, of course, Bridget would have to be the one doing the work. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, also, the party members we haven't mentioned, I'm a big fan of any time uh, Zeke and Pandoria do the same moves. They just like are liked, doing a stupid gesture at the same time. Yeah, I liked them more before we actually knew what their deal was when they were just like showing up. Because yes. I liked Pandora more when he, when her glasses covered her eyes. Yes, you couldn't see her eyes. It's mm-hmm. just she looks less go- like good when her eyes are out. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Yeah, she's like better with the like anime spiral glasses. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. Um, that convey that she's a weird nerd. Yes, exactly. Um, uh, the the then, bit where the the bit where Dromark. F- Learns about Sundares from her is really funny, though. <laughs> He's like, oh, you pretend not to like him, but secretly you care for him a lot. And she's like, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, they're they're definitely my least favorite of the party, the two of them. But uh, yeah, there, it is very there's fun. a reason that the move. Zeke saw all of like 10 minutes in my party. I don't even think I used him once. They, yeah, they're they're not the best, but they do have wonderful, like, those two idiots who found each other energy. Yes. Like, mm-hmm. they they are just vibing in the corner. Mm-hmm. On New Game Plus, you can unlock the Eye of Shining Justice for real. And it is a super mode that Zeke and Pandoria have that makes that makes them, like, ridiculously good when it's active. It's very funny. That's very funny. Um... All of the parts where he, like, comedy moves faster than the eye can see is implied to be because of the Eye of Shining Justice, which is real. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And he could do it any time, but he decided not to. Yeah, uh uh-huh. Well, see, he, like, overshot a couple times and fell off of things. He was like, I better put this away for now. (laughs) It's too powerful. I haven't gotten to New Game Plus enough. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Do we have anything? Any other Xenoblade Two thoughts? We've I do like now. getting to Elysium, and it's just a dead, like it's a desert. Uh-huh. There's nothing living dead, there. It's like a destroyed military base too. Yeah. I really like the recontextualization of like 
the lush Greenland of Elysium was like the park at the military base. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you when you like walk down a long hallway and like there's these like holograms of that tree and that hill, just like these like little thin banners, basically. And I was like, oh, this isn't going to go good, huh? Mm-hmm. It's a great yeah, moment. I- oh, and and. I- even though it is basically a park, they there is a bit where they're like, "Oh yeah, we could fit the entire po- like surviving population of people up here." Mm-hmm. Ooh, <laughs> there's not a there is no like there's no like JRPG compression. Every every you do see every person in that world. Yeah, yeah. there's uh-huh. not a lot of people. Um. Yeah, I also I like the bit where it's like, oh yes, the siren has been this like terrifying power this entire time. It's like, oh, there's just squadrons of them up here. It's just mm-hmm, no one mm-hmm. else is using them right now. Yeah, it's a good bit. The millet. Yeah, Malos has his own like army of fucking freak robots. I think it's such a cowardly move that the to- robots they made for Torna are not all made girls. <laughs> I know it would have kind of <laughs> undercut the seriousness of the moment, uh, but also ridiculous no vision on these people no vision that's the problem that's why they're inferior to poppy oh i did wanna i did wanna before to wrap up xenoblade discussion i wanna i wanna drop my xenoblade to au really quick oh yes 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 please so malice has that line that comes out of like malice and rex have that exchange right after rex stabs him with a giant energy sword mm-hmm. where malice is like damn think of how it would have been if like you had been my driver instead. And so that's my AU where Rex discovers a really sad Malos. Mm. Um, and Torna is led by like a dark moded Mithra. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. The important part of this is that it frees up, it frees up the stage for Rex Nia Endgame with <laughs> Malos as, as, as Rex's supportive big brother. I see. I see. I support you, mm-hmm. Olivia. Thank even you. if even if I cannot get behind uh, Rex Nia, because I just every time I see it, I'm like, it's Nia, cute. you could do so much better. Rex okay, is just a, the... he's just a little guy who's he's just... just a little guy. <laughs> <laughs> they, I think they are. I think their dynamic is very cute, and like, I mean, where it ends with them, right? It, it's not like Nia's like losing sleep over it. Like she said it because she felt like she needed to say it. Mm-hmm. And he did not reciprocate, and she like laughed it off, and she's chilling. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. And now everyone knows that she's trans, and it's good, and everyone's cool and with it's, it. It's fine. She's trans. Mm-hmm. I support her. Yeah. She has a fucking trans flag <laughs> core crystal. <laughs> <laughs> it's blue and pink. Uh huh. Uh-huh. It's right there. Spirit Crucible Ellipsis is the most miserable like mechanical place in the game if they didn't make you hang out in it for so many side quests i think it would be fine there are so many side quests blades don't work as good down there yes Mm -hmm. and poppy is not affected which i think is cool great yeah it's cool that poppy and poppy buster who's uh a a fourth poppy who's a dlc um um that they yeah that they're not affected because they're artificial blades is cool but um one it's miserable to navigate it's incredibly vertical and those maps are not made for vertical spaces um and yeah and then the other thing is that it's just miserable to play because you can't like combo anything i guess i should have played as torah is the thing um but he's so small (laughs) he's very small (laughs) 
he's small and big is the thing uh-huh xenoblade there's like a a thing that is stealthily confirmed in in across the xenoblade games is that sometimes there are nopon that are just five times the size of all the other nopon it's, it's really so funny, funny. <laughs> If you play uh, future Xenoblade 1 Future Connected, you meet two of Ricky's kids, and yes. one of his kids is one of those Nopon that's just five times as big. That's really funny. She is the tank, and she was... The implication is that she was trained by Ryan because several of her arts... She, like, has the same type of gameplay, and several of her arts are named like his arts, but they're, the names are slightly different. Mm-hmm. Um... Mm-hmm. Uh, I read that as Ryan taught her what the move was called, and she mis- misunderstood him because of his accent. <laughs> That's really funny. I am going to play Torna, the Golden Country, at some mm-hmm. point. Uh, I don't. I I might actually do another run of this game sometime, but I do eventually. I do want to play Xenoblade Three, and never play Xenoblade One. Mm-hmm. That's my plan. One is like good. But I don't think it's like necessary. Yeah, I mean that there was a lot of like story stuff going on is probably the main reason I got through this game. Even if mm-hmm. I don't, the story is like um, oh, sometimes thin. You know what I mean? It was. It's I, a, it's, I, there's a lot of it, even if it is thin. <laughs> I did get like two chapters into Xenoblade Two and go, wow, there's been as much story from here and like from the in this game so far as there was in the entirety of one mm-hmm. which is like not entirely true but uh is in three huh? i said i know Nia is in three i gotta mm-hmm. find out about that there is the most absolutely fucking bonkers bit of xenoblade 2 back lore in three. Oh damn which three is Three is the worst Xenoblade game to me, uh-huh. but I think it has all made it worth it by this one bit of lore, which is so it's it, I mean, it's for me, it's Xenoblade in five seconds, which is this bizarre ass decision that I don't understand, but I respect the, the moxie of it so hard. Uh-huh. One day I will know. Um, uh-huh. Right. But, one more thing. I read that. I read the ending, and I've since been told that this is not true, mm-hmm. but I read the ending as uh, they go through the world, or they go through a portal into the Xenoblade 1 universe. Um, I did not think uh, this was true. Because there's a shot that is like, oh, it's all ocean, and there's a thing that looks an awful lot like the Mechonis after it gets destroyed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I've heard yeah, that no, that is not true, but yeah, no, it is like uh, Klaus uses the last of his power to like make a landmass so that they don't have to live on top mm. of people anymore, yes. and they dissolve the cloud sea and all that. But this is the other thing is that I think that this is going to be a a thing with Xenoblade endings going forward is that I am I will not ever be entirely sure what actually happened until the next game uh-huh. because the end of Xenoblade 1 makes it sound like or I read it as uh Alvis saying oh we created a computer simulation mm-hmm. and that is what this world is and it's an entirely separate universe yeah not a simulation but the way that he talks and he's like okay and now shulk it's up to you to like decide what this world is mm-hmm. um, i i remembered i remembered another thing that makes xenoblade 3 worth it which is that they're they they continue to do the like rude rude white girl party member 
Um, and the one in Xenoblade 3 is named Yuni, and she's a high NTN, and she kicks so much fuck. She I've kicks so much a, I've ass. seen a lot of fan art of her. People like her a lot. She's she's Dark Melia, right? Melia Alter? <laughs> she, she is kind of Melia Alter. She also has a side quest with one of the, the, the optional party members, where they have, like, mutually assured murder Yuri vibes going on, <laughs> and it's it's such a step Incredible. up among above anything else in Xenoblade 3. That's really worth it's worth it for that alone. Okay. Let's uh let's finish up Xenoblade there. Uh it's a good game. Uh go poppy and let's take a break and then we'll hit uh God, I like I like Blade Nia's design. I also I don't know I don't know who the best okay. The best blade design is Pyra in a raincoat. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but Pyra Saber raincoat. Yeah. That's all. That's my closing thought on on Xenoblade is uh, the the Land of Challenge added uh, or DLC added the Land of Challenge, which has some outfits. And the only outfit I was able to purchase because you need to grind a lot to get most of them is Pyra in the raincoat. And I was like, I I am just using this for the rest of the game now.
It's time for Karano Kyokai, The Garden of Sinners, Garan no Do, The Hollow Shrine, Part 4 of K&K. Well, the Part 4 isn't part of the name, but you know. Well, yeah, that's why I paused and then said it's Part 4. Fen, what was the pre-show this time? I didn't take notes on it. Uh, Well, first off, it's fun that the production committee is called Notes. Oh, yeah, is it? Uh, Yes. Uh, I was like, is this a general thing? No. All they've done is uh, these and uh, the Heaven's Feel movies and I think the 2008 Stay Night. But like all Fate stuff. All Nasu stuff. Interesting. Um, which is not that much of a leap given that it is called Notes. <laughs> It'd be really funny for them to adapt Notes uh-huh. <laughs> to an anime. <laughs> That's just Ava, Ben. <laughs> I know, I know. It would be such an obvious Ava rip if they animated it. Uh-huh. Uh, I just want to see angel girls, like, perching on lampposts like pigeons and annoying people. <laughs> that would be really <laughs> funny. That would make it all worth it. Uh-huh. Okay. So, I didn't take detailed notes. The pre-show is is fine. It's not my favorite. favorite. Uh, is it like uh everyone's making noise slurping their drinks in the theater is that what it is it's um well it rider is on the screen which means that she's going to be in the theater next time she's, she's going to town on that little tricycle uh neko arc is slurping a drink and that makes shiki annoyed shiki notably does not threaten neko arc you can't threaten neko arc uh and then toko digs into a a pile of um rice cracker uh-huh. Things so and start hot. chomping away. She's so hot. Even <laughs> here, even here in little puppet form. I gotta we have to say this up front. We all think Toko's very hot. We can't only say this about her, but we need to get so we just need to put yeah. it on the table. Yeah. We our I'm, opinions of this movie may be slightly <laughs> blinded because Toko was in it a lot. Uh, I'm just gonna, yeah, I'm gonna elaborate on this later, but I think yes. crucial to Toko's sex appeal is that she is obnoxious and yes, stupid. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and kind of worthless. Yes. This this is all very, very critical. Anyway, the thing that happens is uh, Shiki looks over at Toko. This is the straw that broke the camel's back. Mm-hmm. Um, Was Toko chomping away on things. Uh, and so uh, yeah right uh the sound effects have been appearing in the world as like little white like chalk things almost and uh-huh. a giant bull appears and she cuts that up and then the line is like cut the noise yes uh-huh the bit that about, part was um, cute. yeah the bit the, the bit of her cutting sound effects out of the air is pretty funny and yes. also feels like it could be something that she yes. could actually do in one of these movies at this point I was going to say, fun foreshadowing for other shit that Shiki will get up to with those Mystic Eyes of Death Perception later. I love Mystic Eyes of Death Perception. They're so stupid. Yeah. It is March. It is. My God. Okay. It's March 1996. No, finish what you were going to say, Fen. If you're going to interrupt me, go all the way with it. I have to say, 
sometimes you two are so unsynced on this, it you like overflow back into being synced <laughs> on interrupting <laughs> each other. With interrupting each other? Yeah. It's so regular that it's it's like it's like being in sync. Yes, I see, I see. The thing is that me and Fen both have very specific details that we care about uh, and, like, <laughs> feel the need to bring up, and our priorities are completely different and unrelated. So we're constantly interrupting each other to mention details that the other thinks is not very important. Yes. Mikia! Wait, Fen, say what you were gonna say. I don't remember. Fuck me. <laughs> Mikia is on an ambulance... Driving, or he's not driving. <laughs> he's being driven to the hospital. Shiki's covered in blood, and uh, yeah, this is this is immediately following uh, uh, Shiki attacking uh, Mikia in the second movie. Mm -hmm. There, we're missing some time, uh, but we it? saw. Okay, yeah, she's in the red kimono, uh, and we saw her being dri driven away in a uh, ambulance after that. Okay, it, like. It jumped oh, right. from I forgot about her about to kill him to her in an ambulance. And I, now this is picking up where that left. I off. did think that the novel said that, oh, and then she immediately like dropped into a coma shortly after this. That'd be really But funny. then I was like, no, maybe maybe it was just later. Something happened. No, to her. there is there is a deliberate omission of what happened to Shiki. Let yeah. me just settle that. Yeah. She's got a head wound and a chest wound. We know mm -hmm. that much. So and it doesn't, Miki has no blood on him. He didn't do it. I can't see him having done it. So obviously mm. something has happened. We get a long scene of Shiki being rushed into the hospital. Mikia being ordered to wait outside. Uh, Akitaka, who is Shiki's uh, like manservant guy, shows up and like talks to Mikia. We don't hear what's going on. Uh, and then we get some shots of nude Shiki floating in a cosmic void. <laughs> I my first get a lot of that in the first half of this or first third of this. It is refreshing that after last movie we don't see Shiki's boobs at every mm -hmm. opportunity, which uh -huh. is like I wrote that down when they're cutting off her kimono. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's like oh right, bound chest because it's uppercase Shiki right now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, the last movie was like hey, do you want to see? even more shots of Fujino's boobs. Yeah. Um, it's not as egregious as like the visual novels are sometimes with this stuff, but uh, it can't be. It physically can't be as egregious as the visual novels are. But yeah, um, we do see a lot of Shiki naked in this though, but she's like cosmic, uh, no, no nipples naked. Yes. It is. It is not a sexy naked. No. Yeah. Um, Shiki continues to float in an endless void. Some time has passed. Uh, Mikia's started visiting at the hospital and bringing her flowers, as we know he does. Wait, okay. Real quick. I didn't... Yeah. No. That's... Finish what you were going to say? Uh, just that uh, I think in the middle or towards the end of the OP, there's a really good shot from Mikia alone waiting in the in the waiting room of the hospital. Oh, yeah. It's to... like really late, it looks like. Um to shiki laying on the operating table alone and then like darkness consumes her yes yes right That's i really i really like in in those opening scenes and then later on in the movie just how like utterly black that hospital is at night mm -hmm. it's um, a creepy fucking hospital 
there's a lot of like there's a lot of like lighting stuff that goes on in this movie of like very dark scenes lit by like very bright colored lights that don't illuminate the scene fully Mm -hmm. so i really like like in the hosp in the opening hospital it's like totally black it looks almost abandoned and then there are these like luminescent like exit signs yeah uh and like the 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 buttons on vending machines and that's like the only light mikia has is he's sitting in this empty hospital Mm -hmm. waiting room Mm -hmm. right we're back to fucked up city yeah (laughs) garden centers uh let's see shiki uh is still floating in her red and blue void uh mikia is coming to visit her on another day i love he's like talking to a nurse we don't hear what he says and he like starts to go away and then another nurse pops up and the both of them look at him with such a face of concern it's really cute uh-huh. i love, I love the nurse. i love how obsessed the nurses are with him in this movie i if i was a nurse at a hospital and this was happening i would also talk about this all the time yeah he comes it can't be stressed enough he comes every week for two years yeah the implication is also that he's the only one who visits shiki uh-huh. yeah so like no wonder they're gossiping there's i mean this is a slightly later scene but one of the nurses is gonna be like i wish i had a man like that yeah <laughs> the dedication yeah and because because this is the thing all the nurses know that shiki at this point they're like oh yeah she's never waking up i wonder how long he's gonna keep doing this mm-hmm. uh we get a scene of some nurses moving shiki's unconscious body around probably to prevent bed sores and the like um shiki uh isn't into is not intubated anymore and her hair has gotten longer so it's been a while uh Let's see. We get some voice lines from Shiki that sound like she's talking through like a radio a hundred feet away from you. Mm-hmm. I like that. Life goes on. Mikia graduates from high school. We get a great like moment of him like just like lovingly touching the top of Shiki's desk. Yeah, we get the beginning of a like uh like a student council uh president speech of like oh it's like a school song all of our song. Yeah. yeah thanks all of our teachers and the school song and then um. Yeah, and then Mikia just standing at her desk holding his diploma being like, oh, Shiki. Uh-huh. And then we immediately cut to his, uh, we skip college. We go right to his new job working for Toko Aozaki. Uh, I don't think he went to college. He dropped out, I think we we got. Mm-hmm. I wonder, I don't know if he dropped out during the, like, the like application process, maybe. But uh, he definitely last movie when he was talking to um this is the first movie first movie maybe i'm remembering something from the book too because i feel like in the book shiki said something about him having dropped out of college anyway important thing is he works for toko now uh we get this great moment where he, uh he's he's very formal with toko for he calls her chief toko and he's like wow you sound different than on the phone and she like drops into her like husky sexy voice and she's like you mean like this <laughs> Well, uh, crucially, okay. takes off here, her glasses to do that. Yes. And yeah, and yeah here here's here's like Toko thirst moment number one <laughs> is the fact the first that she second has... she pops up on screen. <laughs> yeah, literally like five seconds after she pops up on screen for the first time. But the fact that she like the fact that she like has two personas and they're both like different kinds of top is so uh-huh. amazing. Uh-huh. Like she has her like. She has her, like, fun and flirty, but also extremely condescending glasses persona, yes. and then her, like, rough, 
get over here uh uh-huh. no glasses persona and it kicks so much ass it's really i love uh-huh. that she explains this by saying that if she can see the other person she's nicer <laughs> <laughs> she's great i love Toka. he asks if she's uh which side of her is the, is the fake if she's playing innocent or trying to sound important she laughs and does not answer <laughs> Uh, that's because she's all fake baby yep it's all she's i was not expecting her to be as miserable as she is and like she doesn't she doesn't say that directly in this movie but there are several lines that it's like oh you you're not doing well huh a bit of a hard time so toko is the kind of girl you're like oh i'm about to have the best worst six months of my life (laughs) (laughs) i could fix her I could not fix her. I would still have fun. <laughs> okay. Uh, we get a shot of a freaky doll that looks like Shiki with red eyes down in Toko's uh, hell basement full of dolls. And then we get a shot of two Shikis in a void. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're very... Gender's happening. Gender's getting more explicit than I thought it was going to. Uh, blue Shiki has boobs. Red Shiki does not. <laughs> Uh-huh. And is generally less curvier or less curvy. Not that Shiki's very curvy to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um Or am I getting this? I think you might be flipped Did I get around? them backwards? Okay. God damn it, I can't tell which color was which anymore. I've I've I think I may have gotten this backwards. Anyway, the important thing is the girl-coded Shiki uh, embraces a non-reactive boy-coded Shiki who okay, fades out of yes. her arms and disappears into the void. I, I've opened the movie again. Red Shiki is the moving one with tits and yes. blue Shiki is the non-moving one with okay. no tits. Okay, so I was right. Rest in peace. Yes, unfortunately, it seems like a uh, uh, boy boy coded Shiki, who this movie is very explicitly is a is a boy, <laughs> yeah, uh, which is interesting, has gone away. The I don't think this makes Shiki any less gender fucky, honestly. I um, mean, Shiki is gonna wake up and then start using ore pronouns. Yes. So, yeah, which is yes, it is boy Shiki, but also. It is the outlet for everything, all of the things that she's repressing, yeah. right? Like, yeah. like, like Shiki after, I mean, honestly, there's sort of three different Shiki personas, which is like the two from before regular and the, the one who comes after, right? Yeah, because like Shiki, when she wakes up in this hospital bed is, and I think the movie is decently explicit about this, is not just one of the Shikis who survived. Like, this is a new ryogishiki yeah or or in the moments when she's like in this purgatory in the hospital she's clinging on to being the shiki from before the 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 girl coded shiki from before uh and she needs to move on and become a different person Mm -hmm. because she can't be in this balance anymore yeah um it was always interesting, like the the one the Shiki who is the one with the the male pronouns. I as, as I pointed out, acted way more like a, a stereotypical anime girl and seemed to be way more into Mikia, uh-huh. than the Shiki who uses well, pronouns. We're gonna get this a bit later, but she says like, "Oh, the only thing I can't remember is his name," mm. which is like 
oh, Mikia fell for uppercase or boy Shiki. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. <sighs> okay. So yes, but uppercase Shiki is gone. Mm-hmm. This allows Shiki to finally wake up. She sits up or she stirs in her hospital bed. Her hair is very long. She's very, very weak right now. Can't stand up, can barely move. She turns to look at a note clipped to a calendar on the desk. It's it's something from that Mikia left. He says something about it being the like rainy season now, but keep doing your best, Shiki. It's going to be summer soon. She isn't really looking it's at so it, though. But it's so cute. It's very cute. Mm-hmm. He's such a chaser, complimentary. <laughs> <laughs> I love Mikia. He's incredible. Um, right. She is not really reading this note very well, though, because she has started seeing something that's very familiar to us. Uh, she's seeing death lines on things. I really like the way the death lines are like portrayed in this movie, where like... Yeah, this like aberration they, kind of like effect that's happening on them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are weird photo effects that just like impose themselves onto things, mm-hmm. and like they they seem to have some effect on time too. Because later we're going to see Shiki having images of like flashes of things with the deadlines on them falling apart into mm-hmm. like little slices. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah she's cool. going to. Re- She's going to reach out in this scene and try to, like, touch the death lines on the flowers by her bedside. And I, I, what I like, one thing I like about that shot is, like, because the death lines are so artificial and, like, not integrated with the picture, it's, like, hard to tell when she in- is actually interacting with them. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and another interesting thing is she touches the death line of the flowers and they come apart, but also they wither. <laughs> It's not, yeah, it's not just falling to pieces. She does, she is causing them to uh, die in a, in, a, in a broader sense. Yeah, this is, this is an interesting, like, this is kind of differentiates it from Tono Shiki's yes. uh, Mystic Eyes. Because that is very much, like, until he sees the points, he's seeing places at which things could fall apart yes. not their actual yeah. death mm-hmm. it's a huge it's a huge boon to the tight moon power scaling community <laughs> mm-hmm. um and yeah it is also fun that like she touches it and then like gets a shock and mm-hmm. pulls her hand back oh also i love her her like dying light bulb flickering eyes mm-hmm. where where it's like you can like see the mystic eyes like under her gray eyes trying to come into existence yeah it's it's a good effect anyway a very tired looking nurse enters the room and finds flower bits and like a destroyed iv and like shit all over the place in the room of a girl who was never supposed to wake up Uh (laughs) uh-huh hell of a day for that nurse she runs for help and then we cut to a bit later where there's a smiling doctor man with a couple of nurses talking to shiki they're all like wow we we really can't believe that you're still alive um aren't you lucky isn't this great and cut to shiki's absolutely horrified face with the her eyes open as wide as they could possibly go like lit up in mystic eyes yeah this this scene had me wondering i i mean i guess you can't i guess other people cannot see the mystic eyes like i'm guessing they are not yeah i'm guessing her eyes don't seem to literally change otherwise the doctors would be like what's going on with you I bet you people who can see things that aren't physical, like, you know how Shiki can see uh, Fujino's power 
like yeah. interacting with the world after a while. I would yeah. bet if you have some ability to see something beyond what is literally there, you could probably you could see you could see it. But I think that regular people probably can't because mm-hmm. you'd think that they would. It's a pretty distinctive change. You think yeah. I would notice. <laughs> it is and and it's you get a shot of her like front on and her eyes are like glowing. There's everything supernatural in this movie like glows with this really freaky, very uh-huh. bright light. Mm-hmm. I will say these doctors and nurses, they never saw her with her regular eyes and she gets bandages on them immediately. Maybe they thought this was just what she looks like. <laughs> I'm no, I'm no She's doctor, like... but I don't think that's normal. <laughs> anyway, while they are talking uh, nonsense, Shiki is seeing them uh, split apart at the seams and turn into piles of meat, basically. Um. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. This is a bit. I was not expecting this. So she's just like she like slowly raises her hands to cover her eyes, and I was like, oh yeah, because she doesn't want to see. Because I'm used to Tsukihime this mm-hmm. scene where it's Shiki's just kind of living with it. No, she tries to grind her eyes out with her palms, <laughs> and we yeah we get a a like sound effect and then a cut to a nurse say, putting a no entry sign no, yeah, on no the no visitors sign on the door. That's a gross noise. Yeah, it's they I mean they never show any of it, no. but there's mm-hmm. some there's some like eye gore stuff that's heavily implied. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um but I do yeah, this is like partially this scene and then partially later. I do love the implication that is like, "Oh, Shiki, you poor you sweet summer child, you are not going to be able to destroy your eyes." Uh-huh. They yeah, are going to is... grow back. Yeah, there is like an implication that they are growing back to a degree that like I don't know if that's how eyes work. And Toko says something later that's going to imply that's like, even if you had no eyes, you would still have the ability to see the lines yeah. of death. Mm-hmm. I presume she would only see death lines then. And that would be even worse. I think this is something I think that I think there's an implication of this in Tsukihime 2 at some point where Shiki's like, even if I destroyed them, I don't think they would let me go that easily. You know, well, I mean? this is a, like, again, they are they are kind of magic crest. Yeah. In the way that like magic crests have been described as parasites. Yes. That they will keep you alive to keep their own existence going. Um, and it feels like Mystic Eyes are are kind of or can be similar of, oh no, we're gonna we're gonna stay yeah, alive. Like, yeah. If they're powerful like, enough, they're a curse. Yeah. Like how normal people like how her eyes don't seem to literally change, it's it's not like a biological change has occurred in her eyes. It's like a metaphysical change in her ability to perceive the world, yeah. mm-hmm. which is which is manifested in these eyes. But yeah, you know, it's it's not just her eyes because she can also touch the lines of death. So it's like her fingers, too. Mm-hmm. It's her like whole being mm-hmm. that has changed. Yeah, her her perspective, her unique twisted perspective on the world. Mikia finally shows up at the hospital with flowers and nurse is like, oh my god, dude, she woke up. And he's so excited for about six seconds before they're like, and you can't see her. He, he really drops after that. She says only family and I'm like, they're married. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, this is the problem with the family structure. Uh-huh. He's the only one who visits. Yes, uh-huh. Right? Yeah. It maybe wouldn't have been good for her to see him right away. She might have some complicated feelings. She might have strangled him with her IV. Who knows? But 
They do at least take his flowers to her and they keep doing that throughout the movie. Yeah. So there is a shot of him. He does just go into the hospital anyway and stare at her door for a little bit holding the flowers. I think it's I think it is earlier. There's a really funny shot that is only funny. Like it is not funny. It is Shiki in the bed. Uh, while she's in a coma and Mikia like putting the flowers in a vase and then but there's a shot that looks like it's straight out of a shoujo um of like her face is framed by flowers (laughs) it's like oh this is this is a like oh look at this boy isn't he so pretty Uh (laughs) except that it's cheeky and they're real roses not not fake roses that have appeared yeah metatextually or like yeah as the panel border Uh uh-huh no i get you uh we cut to some time later. There are nurses talking about a new counselor starting at the hospital. I was like, oh boy, who could this be? And then we see a bouncing red ponytail <laughs> and hear that the counselor's here to take care of Shiki. That's right. It's Toko again. A lot of Toko in this movie. I'm always excited for that. Uh-huh. If I remember correctly, that was part of why Olivia chose this one to guest on. <laughs> no, it's entirely that. This is <laughs> the so Toko movie. <laughs> Uh, shout outs to Toko. I know we did this a lot already this episode, but that's Toko. She's so hot. She's, she's about to go into Shiki's room and just be such a dirtbag lesbian. Uh-huh. Um, I, I had multiple notes where I, like, I was like, pause the movie because I was like, okay, I need to take a note. And then just had to write down, Toko is so hot and then get on with whatever I actually wanted to say. She's just gotten hotter. Yeah. <laughs> What's going on? Anyway, she's hanging out in an elevator with some nurses who are gossiping about Shiki and Mikia. Uh, they call him Mr. Puppy. Koinukun. Koinukun. Very cute. Mr. Puppy. Incredible translation work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, um. This is where we get the girl who's like, damn, I wish I had a man who would stay by my side for two years of coma. Sorry, lady, that's trans girl privilege. Uh (laughs) Oh. Let's see. Uh, Oh, we also get a cut in of a uh, tattooed, bandaged, strange, giant man on a gurney being wheeled by. Uh, (laughs) I'm sure that won't come up again. Speech therapist, Aozaki Toko. <laughs> Speech therapist. Um, She comes into the room. Shiki is just sort of sitting there. Uh, she, Her eyes are bandaged. Um, She's doing her like bubbly girl thing. She's, I love her. Her hi in English is very funny. <laughs> the, okay, the shit that she says to Shiki, her opening barrage, she goes like, Wow, when they told me about your condition, I thought you'd look, like, so fucked up, but you're really pretty. Wow. <laughs> lucky me. <laughs> yeah, she literally says, like, I got a cute girl. I'm so lucky. <laughs> what a oh, what a scumbag. I love her so much. <laughs> yeah, the way she's completely unfazed, because she's like, I'm here because you have aphasia. You can't, you're, like... Uh, ability to process speech is damaged and shiki immediately having not said anything since she woke up spits who's got aphasia and she's like no i already know you didn't surprise me (laughs) (laughs) she yeah she says like this is the treachery of diagnosis toko (laughs) says like yeah man like they know you have brain damage or like that your brain was damaged in your accident so of course if you don't talk they're gonna diagnose you with aphasia idiot (laughs) 
<laughs> she's so mean to Shiki. It's so funny. Oh. Yeah, she's like, this is why she's like, this is why you need to say something, or else you'll just cause problems for yourself. This is also this just a really incredible Toko moment here where she's like, So I bet you're wondering why I'm here then. And Shiki just starts fumbling for the like call nurse emergency <laughs> button, and Toko just grabs it and is like, Oh no, no, you don't. You're not getting rid of me that easy. Yeah, she says something about like, I yeah, I'd be unemployed after one minute. Yeah. I'm like, no, I need I need this job. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> Shiki's like, so you're not a real doctor. And Toko's like, I'm a mage. And Shiki's like, I don't care. <laughs> She's like, why do I need a magician? Uh-huh. And Toko's like, yeah, that's right. You don't need a magician. Uh, cause you're fucked up in the heart. You deficient with child. <laughs> it's like, she's so mean. Uh-huh. And, and Toko throws one final barb at her by saying, you know, by now, you know, you're all alone now, right? Mm-hmm. And then walk. How? Out. How does Toko know How does all Toko of this? Know about this. Uh, Magus shit, don't worry about it. Yeah. Uh, then she leaves. And Shiki, Shiki, this is the first time Shiki reacts with, like, any amount of anything besides, like, quiet disdain. She, like, actually gasps when Toko says that. Mm-hmm. Toko runs through the rain to report back to Mikia, who... Must have been her lead for getting in here. You know what I mean? Like, um, why Toko is helping him with this appears to be out of selfish reasons. But uh, he's he's definitely glad to hear stories about how Shiki is doing. Toko has a harem, but for powerful little toys to play with. Uh-huh. She says that Shiki's fine for now and uh, orders Mikia to make her some tea. Back in the hospital, we get Shiki stumbling out of bed to the window, and she starts having a panic attack, it kind of sounds like. Uh, back in Toko's office, she says that Shiki's life isn't in danger, but that uh, Mikia needs to give her space. The dark hour is here. The dark hour is here. It's nighttime. There is a I nurse doing the rounds. Yeah, the nurse, like, walking through the hallways of this hospital with a fucking flashlight. Yeah. <laughs> It's incredible. Like, I've I've stayed overnight at hospitals before, but never in like a long term wing, and they're never this dark. You know what I mean? But mm -hmm. like maybe it's different in a long term wing, or maybe this is just the world's creepiest hospital because it's pretty fucking creepy. It looks abandoned. Yeah, <laughs> it's it, like repeatedly. It looks like she's in an abandoned hospital. It, I was about to say it looks like a horror game level. Yes, and then uh, creepy ectoplasmic ghost like uh, blue stuff. Uh, appears and starts rising out of the ground after mm -hmm. she's out of sight. Shiki is disrupted by a um, swirl of this like spiritual energy, whatever it is. Uh, some of it like wraps around her in like a humanoid shape, and we get we get a flash of what looks like uppercase Shiki, but with no just the just the mouth basically mm -hmm. uh, from the nose down, and in a distorted version of Shiki's voice, it says, "I'm coming in." And then the ghost, like, presence kind of, like, shoves its face through her. Uh, that seems bad. Toko, really Toko baddie moment number three. <laughs> Toko is smoking somewhere also while this uh -huh. is happening. She's just smoking in front of a vending machine, which is great. Um, we also see more of these, like, ghostly figures form all over the hospital, which is interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, it's very, it was very funny to me that this happens and then there's no consequences to the to this until much later in the show Duh. 
on another day uh it's a nice day out and nurse opens shiki's window uh we get a line from her where uh, shiki is like monologuing about how uh the world is beautiful but humans are also very lonely she's taking the loss of her headmate very poorly Mm mm-hmm we also get a uh, cameo of Fujio Kirie in the background uh, in a wheelchair when Mikia comes entirely to visit, drop this. off flowers. What'd you say? I entirely missed this. Yeah, I saw her. I was I saw her immediately. She's got the long hair that's mm-hmm. like slightly distinctive color. She had to see him somewhere to get mm-hmm. fixated on Mikia. We also get a bit of voiceover from Shiki where she's like, Toko's visiting me every day. And I guess I kind of look forward to it at this point. Uh-huh. <laughs> Even though she's annoying. I would fall for Toko so fast. <laughs> I know, Ben. You already have. I would fall for her twice. Is <laughs> the first time when I get suckered in by her, like, cool, older lesbian act. And then the second time when I realized that if I wasn't around, she would not eat three meals a day. <laughs> well, she <laughs> She's eating cigarettes, chocolate cigarettes, <laughs> and that's about all she needs. This is the thing that, uh... Um... I at one point asked what is Mikia's job um in our in our weekly watch or bi-weekly I guess watch party um and someone was like uh keeping Toko alive and I was like oh yeah that that makes sense someone's got to stop her from buying like fucking $10,000 Ouija boards and shit <laughs> Although even he's not strong enough to stop yeah, her Yeah I was about to say he didn't kill. successfully stop her Ben Oh god what did she Still, still has had money for cigarettes, not food mm-hmm. for that month. Okay, Toko is talking to Shiki about uppercase Shiki, uh, and about how he had no control of the body that they shared, and seemingly no interest in actually taking it over. Uh, in the Japanese, they are using uh, a gendered third-person pronoun, which is a, a, a little unusual. But like, I think they're really hammering the point home that this was a this Shiki was a boy. I would say unusual in conversational speech. Yes. Uh-huh. Anime people talk rudely all the time. Yes. Uh-huh. But yes, it is. Yeah, they're it they're is. they're specifically calling it out. Yes. Um uh, great bit in this when um Shiki refers to the two of them as like a a split personality and Toko makes a little like noise at her. Like you uh-huh. don't see her wagging her finger, but she definitely did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like actually it's uh, it's not correct to call you guys a split personality mm-hmm. in fact you're more like a what's the phrase that she uses compound individual personality what she's saying is basically she's going off like the classical like uh disassociative identity disorder like classification of how this works of like oh you have like uh, a certain number of alters one is active at a time they don't really interact in a meaningful way um uh, I don't know how plural people would feel about this. I'm not plural. can't really speak to it. But um, she says that Shiki's personality doesn't really work like uh, how uh, DID is supposed to work. You know what I mean? Because the two of them were always active together and making decisions together. Even though Shiki would sometimes, uh, uppercase Shiki would sometimes go to sleep for long periods of time. Mm-hmm. Not, not this long, though. Right. Uh, yeah, she says she like calls out like there's no reason for uppercase Shiki to just be asleep now. He should be here if he was still here. Mm-hmm. Shiki gets another voiceover where she talks about how she remembers pretty much everything besides the name of a certain boy while 
pictures of Mickey are on screen. This is, yeah, what I was kind of referring to earlier is that it's really fun that the the only thing that Uppercase Shiki took with him when he died was Mikia's name, mm-hmm. which is like, oh, yeah, like Uppercase Shiki had a had a connection with Mikia. Mm-hmm. You did not really mm-hmm. or she did but she was more resistant to it right we got the thing where shiki was like oh i'm the one who's pushing to see you you're yeah. not as high on her priority list yeah which is like yeah sure maybe you were a friend but like uppercase shiki fell hard for you uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> and and you fell for uppercase shiki mm-hmm. um right right because we we get a line later where they talk about how she doesn't have memories of the murders uh, of what happened during the the serial killings but that's unrelated i've been told (laughs) unrelated to her memory it's like a separate memory loss issue i think this part where we see like uh high school age mikia and shiki and then like uh adult age mikia and shiki uh like back to back makes me appreciate like the 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 clear differences in the design they're mm-hmm. such babies like yeah like like they're so small when you look at them compared to their adult selves yeah you like don't notice it in that movie because it's consistent the whole way through you know what i mean but they're yeah. so small and like they're tiny. The- teen mickia has such a like round face yeah. huh yeah it's like she it's uppercase shiki who's like smiling and so i didn't like notice it right away and then i looked over at, at mickey and i was like he looks like half the size of what he is now don't mickey has such a chin yeah now. it's very funny but i think genuinely like a good a good bit of character design that they are so easily like you can just look at a scene and you can tell how old they're supposed to be just from how they're mm-hmm. drawn mm-hmm. we get some more toko talking to mikia about shiki she says that shiki has a massive hole in her heart from uh the disappearance of uppercase shiki and it's led her, left her alienated from the human experience. She doesn't feel like she exists in the world, uh, even though she does. Mm-hmm. 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 Uh, there's a bit where, it, there's a bit, like, Toko is, Toko is throughout these, like, sort of expositional things, like, expressing very particular, like, views about selfhood. Yes. Um. There's a bit where she says, you know, like a rose is always going to be a rose in different soil and growing conditions will never make it not a rose. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't know if that's how people work. <laughs> this is a thing I think with like pretty much every Nasu character is that they will give you a really specific view of the world that I don't think anyone else ab- agrees with necessarily or is factual. <laughs> it's a yeah, game. I'm not saying that this is like the movie, but like this is Toko's perspective on cheeky yes yes uh-huh. mm-hmm. and like when even though she's often like the exposition character she's also like a character who has like specific objectives and perspectives that she puts into her exposition oh absolutely yeah i i like this stuff i like it when mm-hmm. when uh type noon characters kind of say something that sounds like uh kind of, that's kind of, they're kind of assholes about the specific things that they have hang-ups over mm-hmm. <laughs> um so yeah, she talks about Shiki recovering and being able to feel uh, like a person again, and we get more shots of Shiki being like possessed or whatever's going on there. She says that uh, a a hole must be filled, which is a very funny line for a lesbian to say. 
Toko um, <laughs> <laughs> picking up girls at the club. <laughs> not not the last time in this movie that Toko that even Toko specifically will talk about a hole needing to be filled. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh huh. She says that Shiki can't just like fill this like emptiness with memories of her past, but she has to become a different person than she was before. She can't just like hang on to memories of Shiki and have that complete her. Mm-hmm. I mean. So Toko's like, man, you just got to treat her like you always did. Don't treat her any different and she'll be fine. He's still not allowed to see her, though. <laughs> Back with Shiki. Uh, Toko is talking to Shiki. Um, we get the thing about her missing, her missing memories from the serial killings. And Toko says an interesting bit. She's like, really, if one of the two of you was going to disappear, it should have been you, not uppercase Shiki. I guess because uh, this Shiki was in control of the body at the time. You know what I mean? I think I think also maybe another another dimension of it is that like uh, they're differentiated by Shiki by uppercase or, or lowercase Shiki being the one who's always repressing uh, their yeah. desires. And then uppercase Shiki being the one who like lets all the desires out. And so I think I think the implication is that like, you know, in whatever logic this exists, it's like after something traumatic, like the restraint part of personality should disappear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the and uppercase Shiki should be unshackled. Yeah, that makes sense. Shiki unleashed. Shiki unleashed. He's going to be so fucking gay. <laughs> <laughs> Wearing the sluttiest kimono you've ever seen on a boy. <laughs> <laughs> Shiki asks for scissors. Uh, Toko's like, what the fuck? do you think i'm gonna say of course you're not allowed to have scissors you almost you almost popped your eyeballs out toko uh apparently she wants to cut uh, cut her hair and toko's like um i'll get you a hairstylist shiki doesn't want anyone to cut her hair it makes so much sense that shiki cuts her own hair and won't let anyone else do it (laughs) but yeah i like she specifically says i don't even want to imagine someone else touching my hair yeah which is such a visceral way to to and the thing that Toko says is she like chuckles at her and calls her pitiful yeah. and then she gets up and leaves. Yeah, it's like you're such a little fucking baby loser. <sighs> Absolute dirtbag. Yeah, she's great. She's so mean to Shiki. Shiki's, Shiki's coming out of a coma. Shiki is being a bit of a baby though. As Toko leaves, she pulls a, a little stone out of her purse mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. Yeah, and it's and it's not in her hands when she yeah. leaves the room totally. Uh-huh. And uh, at night, while Shiki's sleeping, there's like a rune on the door, keeping mm-hmm. presumably keeping the ghosts out. Rune magic. She's yeah. a dirtbag. And she does rune magic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. We get some shots of like hospital B-roll, and then Shiki is sitting alone, and then there's a flicker, and all of a sudden she's surrounded by people. Uh, it seems to be Akitaka escorting a woman in a green kimono who appears to be Shiki's mom come come to visit her. And there's a doctor and a nurse, and they're talking about releasing her and taking the bandages off her eyes. Mm-hmm. Shiki doesn't say anything to them and only reacts long after they left. Uh, but she's panicking, panicking about the idea of having the bandages off, panicking about the idea of leaving the hospital. Is this where she says, I don't want to see that world ever again? Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Which is such a fun 
Yeah. Yes. She's she's taking death lines so much worse than yeah. Tonoshiki does. Tonoshiki's like, hey, look, cool, I can cut down trees. <laughs> it's the difference is in which Aozaki sibling you meet immediately after getting yeah. <laughs> to guys of death perception. Really? Really? Yeah. Yeah, he's kind of like, uh, Shiki's kind of like, uh, Tsukime Shiki's kind of like, well, this sucks and I'm dying, but like, maybe I can imp- at least impress Aoko because she's nice to me. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh. Toko won't be impressed because she's mean. <laughs> I was, uh, Aoko was also not impressed. <laughs> she didn't hit Shiki. Mm-hmm. But she, then she hit Shiki to teach him a lesson about uh, value of life and Toko would have been like, Wow. Hey, you want a job, kid? <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. If Tonoshiki had met, uh, or yeah, if Tonoshiki had met uh, Toko, then she could have just handed over her glasses. Mm. Her sister wouldn't have but, need to go steal them from her. But would she? <laughs> no, thing? she wouldn't have, because then she wouldn't when... be able to 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 switch. You know. Uh huh. Yeah. If she's got mystic eye uh blocking glasses she's not giving them to this shiki <laughs> that's fair anyway shiki uh yells the line about not wanting to see the world ever again uh that world ever again and goes to not take the bandages off it just tries to like gouge her eyes out through the bandages with her fingers with her nails which mm-hmm. she's been growing out pretty prominently uh yeah it, th- yeah there's a really like because the first time she does this she places her like the palm of her hands against yeah. her eyes and then just pushes yes and this time it's like she is uh fingers out towards her eyes like slowly approaching the bandages uh-huh. in, a, in a very much like the first time i was like oh okay i see what like you you didn't make that decision immediately maybe you kind of like mm-hmm. covered your eyes and it still it wasn't enough. Yes. And this time you're like, nope, nothing for it but to take him out. She is stopped by Toko, who I I don't think Shiki knew was still in the room or had returned to the room. I'm going to say, Toko, never been hotter than this moment. <laughs> oh, she's really there's, rough on Shiki. There's an extremely interesting exchange they have, because this is the part where, where Toko grabs her hand, basically. And this is the part where... She says the line we talked about, about how even if, like, Shiki's eyes were to be destroyed, she would still be able to see the death lines. And the thing that Shiki says to her is, are you human? Mm -hmm. Uh To which Toko responds that she's a mage. And Shiki (laughs) recognizes, yeah, (laughs) are you human, laughs, and then answers. But then Shiki's response to Toko saying she's a mage is to recognize her as Toko. Mm -hmm. I I think it's, like, such an interesting detail that, like... When when Shiki is not able to see, the two Toko personas mm-hmm. do not match up to her as the same person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, now it's time for the hottest line in the whole movie. <laughs> what's the what's the hottest line in the whole movie? Uh, the hottest line in the whole movie is Toko saying, "Well, it's about time you woke up, Ryogi Shiki." Uh, what does she say? You've belonged by my side from the start, right? <laughs> so don't even dream of ordinary happiness or a normal life. Quite a proposal. Yo. D- Yo. She says this while having a hand under Shiki's head, tilting it towards her, tilting right? Her chin up, yes. Uh-huh. While essentially saying, like, 
I'm going to teach you how to use those eyes. So you should I'm you should be you my like servant. <laughs> <laughs> also, like she's smoking. Yes, she's smoking in the hospital. So. Okay, uh, we do. There is a bit uh, where she does ask what Shiki is seeing that's freaking her out so bad, and she's able to identify them as mystic mm-hmm. eyes of death perception. And she's like, "Oh, it would be a real waste to get rid of that." Uh, she explains a little bit about how it works, the like seams between where things can break down, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. There's a good line about where she says that everything wants to be destroyed and remade from scratch, which is fun. I think she might be projecting a little. <laughs> Another huge like BDSM vibe line. Uh-huh. By the way, I think she says everyone des- desires to be destroyed oh, and remade from I scratch. Write it down like it is specifically people who. She says that the accident and being close to death uh, in the coma is why Shiki's able to see death now. Um, She's smoking in the hospital. Right, right, right. She says that uh, this Shiki is being a baby because she misses uh, uppercase Shiki and she like grabs her by her kimono and kind of shakes her around and she's like, you you need to get over this for fuck's sake. You don't want to live but you're afraid to die and you just need to like just just man up. <laughs> Toko should do this to someone who could appreciate it. Shiki <laughs> uh-huh. pushes her off, uh, says she doesn't want any of this. She has a vision of Toko's death lines. Toko says that there are drifting thoughts in this hospital that want to make her, uh, want to fill her and or kill her. One of mm-hmm. the two. Maybe or both. Both. Shiki says she doesn't care and they can have her if they want. Toko calls her pathetic. Says that her runes won't protect her if uh, Shiki doesn't want to be protected. And asks if uppercase Shiki died in vain. And then stomps out. And Mikia is waiting anxiously to hear back from Toko. Mm -hmm. Shiki is lying alone in the dark room thinking about Toko's words. When, uh, remember that tattoo big guy uh, bandage dude from earlier? Yeah. Well, he comes into a room filled with ghost energy and starts strangling her and like drooling out his gross teeth mouth. <laughs> um, the uh we see the 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 rune that Toko had is smashed on the floor. Shiki is being strangled to death. Uh she's struggling weakly. We get that voice that like distorted Shiki voice uh saying that I will I will enter. I'm going to come inside or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Toko, who is apparently on her way out of the hospital, passes by that guy's room empty and like the door is open and it's all tossed. And she's like, oh, shit, this must be it must be hap- going down. And she casually walks back towards his <laughs> <Shiki's> room. <sighs> um, and then uh, back at the base, back at Toko's uh, house. Mikia is hanging out with the creepy Shiki doll and starts singing it, uh, singing in the rain. Like he did for, uh, Shiki when they were waiting in the rain that one time. What a funny thing to do. Well, she said treat Shiki <laughs> like he did before, and this is the closest thing to Shiki he has available to him. Uh-huh. This boy's so not normal. What? There's something wrong with that kid. I know, and I think that's beautiful. Um... 
In movie two, was he singing it in Japanese or was he singing it in English? Then? I think he was just humming, right? Oh, he just hummed it. He didn't say it. Yeah, he's just humming okay, and the subtitles wondering. play the lyrics to Singing in the Rain in English mm-hmm. and it just doesn't match up at all. <laughs> it's like one of those random things that really bothers me. Oh. <laughs> um, so he continues to sing this song while uh, Shiki is being strangled to death. And uh, it's cut over by Toko asking if Shiki died in vain again. Uh, and she starts like monologuing about how terrifying death is and how it's the maybe the only thing worse than being alive. <laughs> she digs her nails into the guy's arm and apparently crushes it. There's just like a spray of blood from one of her hand- palms like digging into his. And uh, she forces him off her throat, says that she w- does not want to go back to death kicks him in the stomach but he's huge so her kick just pushes her out of bed which is a really fun bit uh there's also a shot in the sequence that implies that what happened to shiki was she got hit by a car oh is there yeah there's a shot of a car driving in the rain and then it cuts uh, to shiki's yeah. body sort of like in the red kimono kind of like arcing in the air oh yeah. okay okay that makes sense they also said that Sukihime uh, uh, Shiki got into a car accident. <laughs> <laughs> so she's still blind because of the uh, bandages on her face. And this guy's chasing her through the room. And he, he like He's really fixated on strangling her. Uh, and then Shiki gets over to the window. And as Mikia's song ends, she opens the window in time for him to make a lunge at her and they go flying out the window as the like Calafina music like kicks back in. I I love that she yells, don't hesitate uh-huh. when she does it, like speaking to herself. Mm-hmm. Because this plan is ridiculous, but thankfully Shiki is like part cat, I guess. <laughs> Toko does say that. It's a great it's a great move because she he like is on her. They're falling through the sky. She like does like this incredible throw where she throws him into the ground to break her fall and then mm-hmm. like lands on her feet again she's been in a coma <laughs> like on all fours years. too lands and like slides across the ground on all floors and again also blind <laughs> while doing this i am a little curious how much of this is in the original because it definitely feels like uh ufo table sometimes was like Okay, we have to make this visually interesting somehow. I can believe he the, the the jump out the window and her like using him to break her fall was what happened. But mm-hmm. I think the like the sick flip and then like skidding <laughs> across the ground. Well, this probably. is this is like also in movie one. She like jumps across rooftops. Yeah, uh-huh. and it's like okay, that that is also not in the first book. You do have to animate something. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, yes. She does look very cool. It is just the thing of like, huh, I wonder, I wonder if this is a an anime original thing uh-huh. or what. I also love the bit where Toko just sort of pops up and it's like, oh, you didn't even go to her room. You went to wait outside for her. Yeah. <laughs> I like to imagine that like, whenever Toko is not on screen, she is actually running around trying <laughs> to get to where the action is. Uh, yeah, she just kind of like emerges from the bushes smoking a cigarette and being like, hey, sick moves, kid. 
there's a great bit where she's like uh okay I'll, i will mention this when this happens again in a few minutes um toko says that she tried to keep the ghosts out with uh with those wards so they just took over the corpse of a recently dead guy who i guess died without anyone noticing or something like that i, so I that think could... he might have been dead while they were like wheeling him uh-huh uh, yeah, uh, yeah through the through on the gurney um he smashed the ward and came inside and toko's like ah I, sorry that was my bad they're not usually this smart <laughs> and he's the guy is approaching again shiki's like this is your fault for fucking up the ward so you do it and she, and toko this is really great draws a sigil in the air with her lit cigarette which is it's very so sick <laughs> Uh, the guy bursts into, like, green fire. Uh, this is more rune magic. And then she's like, uh, well, that didn't work. That was all I had. <laughs> uh, this, uh, and, like, this is the... <laughs> this is why Toko's so hot, is because, like, under the, the bluster, like, mages are good at one thing, and, like, the second... The second you put her in a life or death situation, she tries her one fire spell and is like, oh, fuck, he's tougher than that, huh? She makes dolls. This is combat magic isn't her specialty. I love that Chicky's response is to just go, you con artist. <laughs> and Toko's response to that is, this stuff is difficult, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah, she says they, have, they have a great dynamic in this movie. Uh-huh. It's incredible great banter uh yeah toko's like okay normally i would just set his heart on fire but he's a zombie so we need to cremate him or get a priest uh we should probably back up and uh shiki says that she's just making excuses for herself toko's like well you can't do it either and uh shiki's like no 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 technically this is a living corpse and i'm gonna kill the shit out of it um she has that she has that hot girl shit move where as she begins to like stand up to do that, she like takes a she like dabs her finger on this blood that's on her neck yeah, and then and, like, licks he, like, it. He like broke the skin from strangling her that hard. I couldn't uh, tell if he if that was her blood or mm, if it was his. It's interesting. He I think it might have been his because he was also bleeding when she like yeah, ripped his okay, arms. Okay. She does she does grab his arm so hard that it like spurts out blood. Uh-huh. It was definitely fingerprints on him. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Um anyway, she licks the blood. It's a great move because it's like the kind of this awkward lick, like like almost like she misjudged where her fingers are and she has to stick her tongue out really far to do it. Uh -huh. <laughs> it looks great. Oh, um, then uh, the bandages swirl around her mystically <laughs> as if she had telekinesis to make him come off. And she opens up her mystic eyes and uh, runs at him with just her long fingernails, which is also sick. Mm -hmm. She does some fucking martial arts moves on yeah. him, too. Like, like she she like does like a swipe across him to hit a death line, but uh -huh. it doesn't quite work. And then... Yeah. When when he like swipes at her back, she does like a, a little like martial arts stance to dodge it and then like do an uppercut on him. It's very cool. Yeah, it's like it's like when Shiki was like sticking his fingers into death lines on the bed and he was like, well, this didn't quite work. So I need something longer. Uh, so she just like scores the death line and then like just <laughs> was like, OK, well, it's fucking beat the shit out of him with my fists. Time. <laughs> Shiki has combos. Uh huh. 
Toko throws her the the like knife that we've seen her be using a lot uh, in the uh, the stuff set post this. Shiki catches it and throw like not throws the knife behind yeah, her, she, like, but whips it behind her to get the scabbard off. Yeah, it, it just goes flying. It looks incredible. And then the first thing she does is chop off all of her hair. <laughs> she says something like like get out of my way, mm-hmm. and and then chops off her hair, which is a fun like oh. She was also talking to the du- guy, but she was talking about her hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. uh huh. Her, she, she didn't. She no. Go ahead. She then like strikes this like pose where you see her from the side, where she's like holding, where like she's holding a bunch of her hair in one hand, and then it just kind of gets like carried off by the rain and the wind uh-huh. while she like poses with her knife. It's very cool. It's very, she, it's very extra. She ve- definitely didn't cut her hair short enough for it not to get in her eyes. Yes. But... She's got other stuff to worry about (laughs) at this exact moment. The zombie grabs her head. She calls him a lump of death and chops his arm off. But notably, every single bit of the line, like, tears. His his arm disintegrates Mm -hmm. into, like, chunks. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. And then she kills the shit out of him. The, The ghost, like, bursts out of his mouth. Uh, but notably doesn't go away. It swirls up in the sky for a sec, and then uh, tendrils come down and, like, pierce her. Toko's like, oh, you fucked up big time, bud. You should have killed it. Toko hiding in the bushes, yelling at her. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it feels like Toko's like, well, I guess I'm gonna have to run away, and I really wasn't... Toko's, like, looking for her car, like, automatic car starter to, like, start it up Uh up the engine so she can drive away. Now, Fen, how does how does Shiki deal with this uh, ghost possession that's happening to her? Well, it at first looks like Shiki is going to uh, knife her eyes out, mm-hmm. and then she just slowly lowers the blade until it is clear that she has control mm-hmm. and stabs her chest and is like, Bloodlessly. yeah. Uh, well, there's like a blue blood on the uh-huh. blade when she withdraws it, yeah, yeah, but, but, but it like goes in like a, like a magic trick, like a reacting yeah, yeah. kind of thing. Um, and she says something about like, uh, yeah, not letting, not letting them have herself, not letting them have Ryogi Shiki. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She says she will kill her weak self. Mm. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, the ghosts are expelled uh, and vanish. And there's like a this ectoplasmic goo on the knife and she flicks it and it's all gone. And, mm-hmm. uh, she like flicks it and then it is like burned off. It's yeah, it such a like smoke. Cool bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. Now, oh, the, the CG in this movie is good. Yes. Uh-huh. Just. Yeah. It looks good. All of the all of the like ghost stuff and mm-hmm. her eyes and. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I felt like the like Fujino's eyes in the last movie kind of stood out as being like, oh yeah, that's really CG looking to me. Just mm-hmm. the the way like her actual eyes, not her like power or anything like that. But um, still looked good. This looked good. Mm-hmm. Now Shiki is like, hey Toko, you said you teach me how to use my my eyes, right? Toko's like, yeah, I need a runner anyway, so you're gonna work for me. Shiki says, all right, will it let me kill people? <laughs> Queen, absolute queen. Toko's like, yeah, of course, duh. (laughs) And Shiki's like, well, I got nothing else going on, so yeah, I'll go murder some people for you. This is so good because it, like, it totally 
you, there is a read you could have made at some point where it's like, oh, uppercase Shiki is the serial killing boy persona and r- lowercase Shiki is the like normal one. Mm-hmm. It's not true. They were both serial killers. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> oh, serial killers barely keeping each other in check. Uh, so Shiki agrees to this deal and collapses and Toko says this line. She says uh, that to- Shiki doesn't know how lucky she is that she's a hollow vessel, because being hollow means you can cram so much in there, you know? What more could you want for your future? Toko's so miserable! <laughs> <laughs> Slaps the top of Shiki's head, you could fit so much boy in there! <laughs> now, we get some voiceover of Shiki wondering why uh, uppercase Shiki died for her. She thinks that he had a dream of living a happy life uh, uh, that she is supposed to go on to live. And she says that all he left her with was loneliness, though. I like that even though the thing is, oh, you have to move on, Shiki, and be your own person. uh, This has not quenched her bottomless loneliness for another person that uh, was closer to her than anyone. Mm -hmm. You get that shot and you get this shot of like a a setting sun and then like uh, uppercase Shiki kind of like walking past it, not in focus. Mm -hmm. That's very like, it's it's sad. Yeah, I liked uppercase Shiki. Mm -hmm. He was a little gremlin bastard, it seemed like. (laughs) Gay little creature. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, what did you say, Olivia? Shout out to femboys. (laughs) He was a femboy. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, Shiki is sleeping. We get, uh, yeah, Mikia saying his, uh, his parting line to Mikia is that I, I like you. I will see you again soon. Mm-hmm. Never saw her, saw him again. She wakes up. Her eye bandage is gone. Her throat is bandaged up. Uh, and then Mikia is there and he says good morning and asks if she recognizes him. Uh, we get, we get a voiceover where she's, she like says something, some romantic shit, but she's not going to give him that much. She's like, yes, you were the only one waiting for me all this time, et cetera, et cetera. And then she, instead she just like pouts and she's like, says his name and she's like, oh, you sound like a French poet loser. And he is so happy uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> when she's mean to him. Yep. He is like about to cry. Uh-huh. And then it's credits time. They're such a great couple. I love those. They're great, yeah. I've said before, it's hard to get me invested in a het relationship. They're and such arguably fun, not het, but no, also yeah. they're, they're, yeah, they're... Gender is too complicated for it to really be het. Uh-huh. Shiki just, Shiki is just, uh, Shiki is just trans and Mickey is a chaser. Complimentary. Yes, uh-huh. Sometimes you just find the one boy who's fucking obsessed with you, and it's charming. <laughs> yeah, it's it's normal. It's this is this is normal for boys. <laughs> After the credits, we get a setup for what's going to happen next time. I guess we get we see we sa- we had that bit where that guy talking was like, "Oh, three vessels have been prepared, or whatever." Right. Mm-hmm. And so we're finally getting back to the end of movie one. Yes. <laughs> We see him, uh, this big dude, uh, with, you said he's Kotamine's voice actor? Yes. Yeah. Did you not immediately recognize no. it as Kotamine's voice actor? No, I, I, w- I was like, oh, that guy sounds a little like Kotamine, but I didn't clock it. I'm, I'm bad at voices, and immediately I was like, that is 
either Kotamina's voice actor or someone impersonating Kotamina's voice actor. Um, see, I can I can often pick up when girls <laughs> are the same voice actor, but I don't really do this for men. Kotamina is just such a standout. Like, is- he has such a fun voice. Uh huh. He's having such a good time. Yeah. Anyway, this guy visits Fujo Kirie and offers her a spirit body to use as she will. And then we get a shot of uh, Fujino uh, collapsing against a wall in the rain, saying she can't go home like this. This is, I would guess, like after the first time that gang of dudes like assaulted her, right? Mm. Uh, she falls forward and uh, lands on this guy's chest. Uh, the same dude. Wait. And... Or is it after she killed all of them? I don't think it's that far. I don't think so. Okay. I think it's the... Cause he does he he tells her he confirms her name and then he's like do you want me to fix to cure you and she's like yes and he moves his hand onto the spot of her back that the guy hits with a baseball bat that causes her to lose her insensitivity that makes her go insane so i think what he's doing is like uh setting that up basically i think she's been attacked and doesn't know what to do about it and then uh, uh, when they attack her again, she goes and kills them. Okay. That's, that was how I read it. Maybe I'm wrong. I could be wrong. But the, the like sp- very prominent way he put his hand on her back. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and Mikia is the one who finds her after, uh, after she kills those guys. You yeah. I mean? I mean, this could be between Mikia finding It's yeah. just a little, it's just too many things going on. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. I think. Anyway, the important thing is he has something to do with uh, with Fu- uh, Fujino's nonsense, too. We also cut to a uh, dude we've seen once in the second movie for like five seconds. <laughs> uh, he's the dude who stopped uh, Shiki in the hall once and implied that he knows that she's killing people. I don't know what his name is. I forget. He's the guy who like dropped out of school because he had uh... something better to do. Yeah, yeah. I think his I think his uh, given name was Rio, but I forget his family name. Wait, is that he's, too? he's also like laying in a pile of like trash bags covered in blood. When this <laughs> yeah, it's was, it's normal for boys. Normal for boys. Uh, uh Shirazum, Shirazumi Rio. Rio. Rio asks who this uh, this dude is, and his name is Araya Soren. And he uh, says that and smiles, and then it cuts uh, out. And he he identifies himself as a mage too. Oh yes, yes. Mm-hmm. 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 So no priest, mage. Just just a priest who just a mage who dresses a lot like a priest. He does dress a lot like a like a priest. Yes. This is another the interesting thing about doing these anime adaptations rather than the books. Mm-hmm. Um. Which is like partially forced upon us because of the books not having a good translation and us want not wanting to go like monthly with this podcast as we slowly make our way through them in Japanese. Um, uh, is that it is fun going, okay, how much of this design was original and how much of this is them going, oh, this character is clearly, uh, like has parts of what becomes Kotomine and therefore we're going to design him like Kotomine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause like, I, I think it, it's definitely like, he's just designed in a way that's like, 
yeah, like we just what if Kodomine was like a horror movie villain? Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. he's got that same like the 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 huge dude vibe that Kotomine has when the first time he gets close to you and stay night and he just fills the whole screen and he's like he's like wide big suit Miku wide you know what mm-hmm. I mean yeah and like he's so tall that you don't see his eyes ever I think uh-huh. in this in this final sequence um so he's just very like he's like towering over all three people he approaches, he like towers over them because yeah. he's just mm-hmm. so much taller than them. And also they're all teenagers. Yes. Uh-huh. Kyrie wasn't a teenager. She'd been in the hospital for a Oh, yeah, time. she was an adult. Uh-huh. She was an adult, but she's also lying down. This is true. And so is the, the last guys like on the ground. Mm-hmm. Um yeah so that's the end that's the end of the movie we get a little bit of uh the post uh, the next time on which shows that it, i think this is going to be the the late the next one's going to be the after everything else right the, the first thing to be set after movie one yes yes it is very funny that this post credit scene was already a next time on uh-huh and then we get a separate okay and next time <laughs> on <laughs> Um, it seems that how do you oh, no, how do you feel how do you feel about fake Shiro in this <laughs> next time? Say, it's so funny. Say, like Shiki is being very unsympathetic to a uh, wide Shiro who has killed his parents is the plot of next episode. He's just kind of like a thick Shiro, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. His face yeah. is like why more filled out. Yeah. Uh he also has a sword at one point, and a bunch of people say the supreme ultimate. And uh, it's called Paradox Paradigm, which is a fun, fun mouthfeel on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is also based on it some being wild shit in that an apartment complex and like a spiral staircase. I'm like, oh, this is what the the fake go event yes. is uh-huh. based on the the fate uh, the Grand Order crossover event, which is terrible. Uh, yeah, prominently featured an evil apartment building. Yes. Which I kind of figured was the Fujo building, but maybe this is the Fujo building too. Who knows? No, that didn't have a spiral so. staircase. That just had a That was also round. It wasn't a circular uh, or that was square. I found it wasn't a I found I out that it. Wait, what'd you say? I found out that if you skip through this uh this uh teaser sequence uh on um on a media player, it will just get you to the repeated shot of fake Shiro opening a door five times in a row, which is very funny. But uh. They're evenly spaced enough that like my my like skip a few seconds ahead uh button just puts it to those shots every single That's time. Very, That's very funny. funny. Um yeah, yeah. Uh we don't have much to say about that. I did see that that wild shot of I think uh a Soren like holding uh Toko's face while she's bleeding from her missing eye. <laughs> Seems pretty intense. Don't worry about it. <laughs> It's probably fine. Uh-huh. I'm sure. Also speaking of of Toko shots, there's a great very uh very short shot which consists of her like with a big stack of like books and she lifts the top of them to like drop down the pages and makes a face. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, this is so much reading. <laughs> great movie for Toko. Yeah. Toko's incredible. I've never been more of a Toko believer. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And you played Mahoyo, which has a Toko in it. Yeah. And I... Extra, which has another different Toko in it. 
I think that Extra Toko, and this is, you know, based on my memory of Extra Toko. Extra Toko is like, uh, mm, for me, it's got to be this Toko is the best design one. I do like I, I've seen a bunch of the other of other Toko's designs. This is 100 percent the best best like the visual design on a Toko. OK, let me look up. You, extra you just you just can't beat like hot girl in like a slightly unbuttoned button up. Yes. Uh-huh. With the glasses. Uh-huh. The glasses. She looks great. Her little necklace. Great. Her ponytail. Great. It means that she can have her hair down occasionally. and It looks great. I do okay. Extra Toko, one blue hair, like a like a pale blue, mm-hmm. great. Two, uh, like a ruffled shirt. Mm-hmm. She looks incredible. Sounds pretty gay. But uh, I guess, yeah. Her big co- yeah. Garden of Sinners Toko's like big orange coat. <laughs> I love her big orange coat. Uh huh. It works on her. <laughs> her fucking sports car. Oh, did we did we mention that there's one scene where she throws the keys of her car to Mikia like he's a fucking valet? (laughs) He definitely has to park her car when she goes in and out of the office, right? Yeah, no, definitely. God, she's such a bastard. She's such a little rapscallion. I just I love that she seems cool, but actually sucks. It's the it's the best possible way a woman can be. It's. It's the only way to be cool is to actually suck. You know what I mean? So she gets to be cool and suck at the same time, which is the ultimate form of coolness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she's like... Also, she's like a little freak who makes dolls in her yeah, spare time. Yeah, the dolls are so freaky. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, it's fun to have a mage who just is a shitty person. You know what I mean? Because a lot of times it's like we hear in Nasu stuff like, oh, yeah, mages are mages are shitty people, but... You know, this particular one is actually soft-hearted. And then we get, like, a Toko who can, like, talk out of both sides of her mouth like nobody's business in uh, the last movie, being like, yeah, yeah, Mikia, you go get get the, like, details we need to save uh, 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 Fujino's life. Anyway, Shiki, can you kill the shit out of that girl before he comes back? Because he's never going to shut up about it if she's alive and we kill her <laughs> when he comes back. <laughs> And like, her like look of pure shock when she when he's back, not because she's sad that uh, this is going to come into anything. It's because she doesn't want to deal with it. Big Toko fan over here. Yeah, Huge to- yeah. Huge Toko fan. I will second that. It is fun having a mage who's actually a mage and and who's not a villain. Yes. Right. Like. Um, no, no. She's one of the good, the quote unquote good guys. Yeah. But his like, job is like murdering people on dubious reasons. It does make me a little more forgiving of literally every other mage we see in Nasu work mm-hmm. being like, yeah, mages are so evil and amoral. Anyway, I have I am like the most moral character in this game. And like um, uh, because he started with just the most incredible, terrible woman. Uh huh. Um, it is fun that, uh, uh, this also is like, oh, I wonder if this is like implied in Skihime because it was said here, but that, um, Shiki's understanding of death means that she can touch it. Yes. Is like, oh yeah, normal people couldn't, Mm -hmm. but not, 
not just because of your eyes, but also because like you've you've dwelt in and around yeah. death for long enough that yeah, this is the thing of why Shiki can destroy uh, more and more things is because he can comprehend them as being a live a thing that lives, not just yeah. a thing that exists and mm-hmm. interact with it, right? Mm-hmm. And she's she's the same way, like. She she sees the death lines because of her eyes, uh, but in order to like actually being able to meaningfully interact with them and like really process them being there, uh, she needs to be close enough to death to actually like understand what it means to interact with that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's fun. I keep I'm thinking about how Sukihime Shiki is like wearing his glasses all the time and so like the eyes are being actively suppressed whereas this shiki is just like raw dog all the time yeah it seems presumably like... presumably she's just like seeing them all the time you know like i, w- I wonder if there's if toko did something to help her or something like that that doesn't seem like toko's like uh vibe really necessarily <laughs> or or if it's a another difference in their eyes where shiki's uh able to suppress them herself you know yes what I mean? that that was the vibe i got and i think what they're trying to show visually is that when her eyes aren't lit up she's not like using them yeah and like she maybe she can still see it passively but she's not getting the same like uh level of effect right? mm-hmm. uh, maybe it would have been healthier for uh for uh Tsukihime Shiki to learn how to do this too, but I don't know that his head would have like stayed in one shape, like piece for long enough for him to do that. Alko had shit to do. She could not. She could not tutor him. Uh huh. Uh huh. And also, he's like eight years old and had a tiny little peanut brain. You know what I mean? (laughs) Uh huh. Whereas uh, um, Shiki is like an adult, grown woman. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. All right, Fen. Do we have anything else to say? No, I'm realizing that uh, something was missing from our schedule that I have to add. But oh, god damn! Oh, War shit. was yeah, it was missing. God damn it! What is it? Another gag manga. Fuck! I'm not gonna like like any of the gag mangas. I'm so sorry. <laughs> that we I'm have to do that. Yeah. Okay, Fen. We want to wrap up. Give me one second. Sorry. Do you have any last minute uh, thirst comments about Toko, Olivia? Uh, no, I think I've said all I need to say. Yeah, we got all that energy out until next episode where Toko shows up on screen again. <laughs> I mean, the energy is inexhaustible, but, uh-huh, uh-huh. you know, I've said, you know, at this point, words are unnecessary. Yes, yes. We all come to a to an understanding with one another about Toko. Okay. Uh, thank you for being on the show yes thank you so much for joining us olivia mm-hmm. i enjoyed it i'm i'm it's six o'clock and i am not eating dinner yet which is the degree to which i have enjoyed being on the podcast <laughs> <laughs> we are part of the abnormal mapping network yes we are you can find other abnormal mapping shows at abnormalmapping.net, probably. Mm-hmm. You can find us at moonarchive.art. Mm-hmm. Um, Where can people find you on the internet, Fan? You can find me at, at fennec.moe, which is really you can't find me anywhere. You can find me on Discord, I guess. Mm-hmm. I occasionally hang out in the abnormal mapping 
yeah, yeah, yeah. Discord. We we talk in the the visual novel Discord whenever someone's getting into one of the uh Nasu visual novels. Yeah. Um Every, everyone listens to my visual novel recommendations and nobody listens to my JRPG recommendations except for Fen. <laughs> Fen Fen is a creature of taste. Yeah. Other people just are lesser. I have good taste. Um <laughs> Yes, Fen? Oh right. I Twitter dying has kind of freed me from needing to care about posting. And at some point I will be like, oh no, someone needs to listen to my thoughts again. But for now, I, I just kind of, I'm drifting through the ether, mm-hmm. not really saying anything to anyone. Except for in our Discord server where I post about whatever bad manga I'm reading currently. It's, it's you uh, uh, floating in the, the endless void, uh, and uh, you're you're the, the live Shiki, and the other Shiki floating away just has Twitter flo- the Twitter icon <laughs> floating on his head as he falls into the void. Yeah. Um... What else? Ask, ask. Oh, Olivia, where can people find you? Uh, yeah, I also haven't done one of these since Twitter died. So, like, you can find me on co-host at cohost.org slash great grieb. Um, I'm just kind of I'm just kind of posting. Mm-hmm. Uh, you should read Unjust Depths at uh, unjustdepths.com, mm-hmm. which is the web serial uh, novel written by my friend Medea that I, like, do beta reading for. Uh, that shit's good. You want to see some dirtbag fucking women? We got we got dirtbag CIA women. We got dirtbag secret police women. We got dirtbag... Um, we got dirtbag met pilot women. We got dirtbag women uh, who were, like, sharks. Um... <laughs> I'm writing this down to put it in the show notes, too. We got dirtbag Catholic women, too. So, like, we're really just... We're hitting every single possible beat. Wow. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. The dirtbag CIA woman is named Marina McKennedy. (laughs) (laughs) Where can people find you, Ben? Unless you had anything else to say, Olivia. Sorry to cut you off. I'm all good. Can still find me on Twitter at Ben Ends or at Doom Gender, where I still occasionally tweet about the visual novel I'm working on, making some progress. I uh, was picking fonts all day yesterday and like agonizing about it because I hate fonts uh, as a concept. Uh, but I think it's coming together pretty well. One day it will be complete. But uh, otherwise, I'm on co-host at Ben Ends too. But I don't really tweet there much yet, or whatever you call it there. Choasting. Choasting. I don't like choasting. Uh, better than better than tooting, I guess, on Mastodon. I like calling it choasting, and I like calling the like post chair feature rebugging. Rebugging. <laughs> Goofy. Yeah. Uh, what are we covering next time, Fen? And what is our Yuri tea time for next time? My vote is Talentless Nana because that's something I want to watch anyway, yeah. or read. Watch Rascal, whatever. Bunny girl. Sounds fine. Oh, I thought you said that you wanted to see it. I said I've heard good things. It's like, what if Monogatari was less pervy? Hmm. Anyway, we don't know what Yuri Tea Time's going to be, but what's the movie that we're covering? Um, Paradox Paradigm. Yeah. What's the the subtitle for it? I think it's just Paradox Paradigm. It's just Paradox Paradigm? No, no subtitle. They don't call it Supreme Ultra uh, Paradox Paradigm. (laughs) <laughs> no, there's something about spirals. Supreme oh, wait. Ultra. Okay. Uh, Supreme Ultra. Supreme Ultra. Let me. Yeah, just Paradox Paradigm is the only. Huh. It's the only title I'm seeing for this. 
Interesting. Which in Rust? I'm I'm trying to find it now. Because I feel like there is something. Uh... Yeah, whatever. Whatever. Look, we're all going to die one day. <laughs> Speak for yourself. I have no intention. Uh, okay. Well, anyway, yes. Thank you, Olivia, for being on. Fen, uh, take us out of here. Let's get out of here. Let's go away. One day, let's meet in the digital sea.
by eating his pieces. <laughs> what? And the game, the game dev, the game dev girls are the ones who eat the pieces. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Ma Momoi because she's a gremlin. Mm -hmm. Yuzu because she has anxiety. Yes. And Eris because she doesn't understand how chess is played. She's seen <laughs> them do it, and she's like, "Oh yes, the rules of chess. I understand them now." <laughs> You can eat one piece per round. <laughs> <laughs> Tasty little snacks. Uh-huh. Does Eris have taste buds? Probably. Uh, she talks about enjoying chocolate, so I assume mm. she can eat. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Let me... I almost quit Discord. <laughs> I was like, okay, time to podcast. Uh-huh. She has a Eris has a very cute understanding of Valentine's Day as a couple's leveling event. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like I love Eris. Eris is really she's good. So good. I'm always thinking of that like uh, cafe line where she's like, I love to be pet because it warms my artificial protein skin. <laughs> uh, one of my favorite like little pre uh, pre Momo talk texts you get is from Eris when she's like, Sensei, do you know anything about cats? For example, <laughs> How to become friends with a cat. It's really good. She's got to be one of my favorite characters just for, like, vibes. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. She's got great yeah. vibes. I, it's very cute. Um, when Neru is trying to give her the warrior's respect and she's like, this small maid is confessing our love. <laughs> <laughs> great pair. Have you seen oh, the yeah. uh, the the combo cafe animation of Neru and um, Eris playing a fighting game together? Yes, it's really that's good. Adorable. It's so good. Let me see. Okay, okay. I will repost. Very quickly, spend three hundred and sixty stamina just equipment grinding. I am two or three pieces of equipment way away from my multiplayer team being maxed. Uh, and that is a... Um... I've so given up. I just log on every day to lose five matches in a row and take my crystals. I'm currently number one in my bracket. <laughs> <laughs> I've given Fen uh, multiplayer brain poisoning. I... Yes, I did not. I was like, okay, I'm going to play Blue Archive because the story seems good. Mm -hmm. um, and I am not going to get invested in any part of it. And mm -hmm. then uh, Ben's obsession with multiplayer. I just... don't know why I play the multiplayer. It's just I can't stop. <laughs> it's because it's so much easier to maintain one team for multiplayer and a couple extras <laughs> than it is to get like five teams together for a total assault. Yeah. This is... I I would simply I would simply one team every total assault boss. <laughs> the thing is, is I definitely have enough, we can't all be as strong as enough you, enough girls to do extreme for the current total assault. I just don't have their equipment or mm -hmm. skills uh, leveled like at all, I've and I'm just like I will simply I will simply one one. The team thing about hardcore. the thing about total assault is that. The the difficulty is just like way overtuned. So like the level fifty total assault is like a fine, you know, you 
you can do it eventually. Soon you'll be able to one team like every fight there. And it's just like fun to do. Mm. And then the next one is just bullshit. And then they added another one that was even more bullshit. And then they're adding another one on top of that that is even worse. I can do most of the extremes at this point. Or not the extreme is like the difficulty that I hang out on. Yes, exactly. And even even for what it was for Chessid, that's that was just barely enough to get me in the top tier. (laughs) Fuck Chessid. Fucking garbage boss. I hate it so much. (laughs) Conceptually, I think it's fun, but it's such a pain in the ass. Any any fight that makes me use Cherino is in my <laughs> shit list forever. I've had Cherino this whole time and didn't know she was good. I was like, what? She's maxed, so good. I have a nearly maxed out Cherino just because she's so useful for so many of the most annoying fucking stages in the game. The, uh, the fucking um, Wakamo fi- like raid fights from the summer event. I was like watching Fen use Cherino. You used Cherino for, yeah. for it. And I was like, Oh, oh, that's how you do it. <laughs> yeah. Her, yeah, her AoE is really incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very useful. I just don't like Chad, you know? She is, she is the character that I don't have who I dislike the most and yet still want the most, mm-hmm. like, mechanically. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think the only, like, the only girl I don't have that I would want for like mechanical reasons is Shun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's she's good. I don't have any of the Arius girls. It's very tragic. I, I just have couldn't I couldn't a, risk it. I have a fucking whole thing that happened to me with the Arius girls, and it's called I pitied uh uh Hime and uh Hiori. Oh shit. Uh uh it was a nightmare. I got um Mitsuki, the Mitsuki Mitsuka? What's her name? Misaki. Uh, Misaki. Yeah. Uh, on the first 10 pull I did for her. Uh, and then I was trying so hard to get Hiyori. And I finally fucking just pitied her. And then I had to pity Hime too. And I spent money on it and had no gems left for Hoshino. And then while pulling for Hoshino and the, uh, then for Saori, I got like three more copies of Hiyori and a Hime and a, a Misaki. So I would have had them all anyway. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm just like not rolling right now. One, because I need to build back up to pity rates. And because I have so like, I'm missing so few of the like non-limited girls that yeah. like all the dupes are just going to be nothing. Anyway. Real, it's really disheartening to just get a bunch of dupes. When I was rolling for, um, who was it recently? Oh, oh, Izuna. Mm-hmm. Um, I just got like seven three stars who were all dupes of girls I already had. Not even useful ones. Mm-hmm. Oh, terrible. I'm saving for Himati now. Yeah. Who the fuck am I saving for? I don't remember. I like I yeah. I've finally crossed the bridge with Blue Archive where I can't just like justify spending all of my gems on whoever whatever girl I want to have around. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm like, "Oh, I have to actually think about the mechanics of this." Yeah. I respect it, but I am saving for Kana because I refuse to not have one of the dog girls. Mm, I have every important. single dog. I have every single dog girl, and I'm maxing them all out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is very important. Oh, yes, this is Shiroko. more important than any mechanics. I have Shiroko. I have basic Shiroko. Oh, five stars, oh. maximum weapon, maximum Ow. skills, almost maximum equipment. Actually, I think I can just max equip her now. Hold on. 
Oh, yeah. Okay. I see because of Neural, I read Kana as a horse. Uh, yeah, no, she kind of looks like a horse, but she is a dog. Yeah, right, right, right. Here and the 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 decisive evidence. Right, she's got is that her little ears. coffee cup has a paw. A paw. On it, uh-huh. yes. Yeah, she is the, the wiki. Doberman. The wiki or a wiki says uh, is known as the feral hound, yes. which is like, oh yeah, yeah she's that. a dog. And also another one of those blue archive girls that is like confirmed to have had short hair in the past and i don't know <laughs> what's the fetish going on there because there's like three of them <laughs> that are like this it is it is a weird reoccurring bit yeah oh she looks cute with short hair oh okay so she's a walk yeah. oh interesting the like yeah uh, deals a chunk of damage and then damage is stored up for 15 seconds and she does that much. Who is this? At the end. Uh, Kana. Mm-hmm. I think <laughs> she's a special unit, which is a shame. Oh. Wait, attacker back? Yeah, special. Weird. Oh. You're not going to be able to pick her up? That's really the worst thing in the whole game yeah. is that you can't pick up the backline units. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's that's like half the reason I am like waiting with bated breath for the cheerleader. Uh, <laughs> so you can pick her up. Uh-huh. So you can pick her up. Yeah, Hiviki. I've seen that animation. It's really cute. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, Olivia, <laughs> have you gotten into the notes folder? Did you find your way there? No, <laughs> not uh, at all. Well, we were talking about important things, which is Blue Archive Dog Girls. Yeah, I was I was waiting for there to be some sort of update in the server. It's in the I... recording chat channel, oh, which is connected okay. to the to the voice channel. Yeah, I don't know how Discord works. No one knows about this. No one knows about the recording chat channel except me and Fen. We have to tell every guest about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the most recent post. You can click on that folder to get there. Mm-hmm. And hopefully it won't give you any trouble. Got it. Hollow Shrine Doc X. Yes, yes. Okay, I'm gonna go grab my drink real quick while you two get sorted. What are we covering? Oh. Uh, two, baby. We've already gotten the archive out of the way. So. Yeah. Ow. You okay? Yeah, I just crack. I it didn't actually hurt, but every time I crack my knuckles, I go ow. Instinctively, I have mm-hmm. autism. Fen, I just noticed your name is NT. You have an NTR night tag. <laughs> Um, Garden of Sinners. Uh, it's Fen's catchphrase. No, no NTR is the best Yuri. Fen's typing something. The Hollow Shrine. Um, yes. So that is Neural Neural Altar is NTR Knight because she's the Neural the Radiant. The Radiant Knight. And it's also oh, a joke about how much you like NTR. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> um, 
Blue Radiant, Bochi the Rock. These are the same to me. <laughs> uh, Bochi the Radiant Knight. What else? Put Bochi in Arknights. Bochi Arknights crossover. <laughs> Bochi, Bochi would fit right pathy. in. Uh, okay. Bochi and Tomimi are kind of the same girl. <laughs> I think Tomimi has a little more self-confidence than Bochi does. Uh, I would love to see Bochi with a rocket launcher, though. It would be so funny. <laughs> uh, what else do I say before, I guess? No, okay. It would be Ryo would be the one who turns out to have shot everyone down with a rocket launcher at the start of the event. Yes, uh huh. The fourth. Um, if you want to be introduced differently, Olivia, let me know. Um, no, I think that's fine. Um, you can say whatever you want. If you want to write it out so that I know when to jump back in, that's great. But if you just want to wing it. Yeah, I don't, I don't have a planned intro. No, we never do either. This is just the same thing every time. But the last like three guests we've had have all been like, y'all are reading off a script. And I'm like, no, what? (laughs) I've written down like the very beginning of the pod before, because it's important to me to get it consistent ish you know back at the very beginning we were such a mess for remembering because we'd never podcasted before and all of a sudden we were trying to do a podcast yeah harrowing remember our first like uh arc we'd root recording which was like seven hours long or something and ended up split into two episodes i think our first did it end up splitting? It wasn't seven hours long. Was it not? Because I remember us just saying, we're just going to go until we finish. And then we had to stop because we didn't finish. Yeah, we, we came back from a break after our first day. Uh-huh. And I was like, we have to speed this up. And then we did like two or three more days. And I was like, Ben, I can't keep going. <laughs> You're turning the recording on? Okay. I had my backup recording going. So most of that Blue Archive chat was... Uh, uh-huh. was uh captured. I can stick that at the I, end. Of the I, pod, I, I only just started recording, so 